Football Podcast about all of college football. I'm your host, Patrick Mayhorn, joined, as always, by co-host Ryan Donnelly. Uh, Ryan, of course, your part-time job driver for Bob Huggins has been sort of uh, in the news this week. It seems like it's not been a great weekend for you. Uh, I don't know what happened there, but uh, we all believe in you. We have faith that you're going to get better and that you will, uh, you, will, you will continue to drive the big man around as he continues his role as West Virginia's head basketball coach, and definitely none of, that is, uh, none of that's changing. How's it going? Yeah, man, I'm on a, I'm in a series of, uh, I'm really trying out alcohol inoculation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they say the more you try, kind of the more I mean, you get to it. I'm, I'm trying out every different kind of liquor with Bob Huggins. It's kind of like mm-hmm. a snake venom, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. uh, kind of trying the same thing by that. Um, and as a consequence as well, me and Bob are getting matching snake bites together. We're yeah. getting some lip piercings. Yeah. I think that'll be cool for us. Um, but look, at the end of the day, you know, that, the thing you got to remember is he's a great guy and it's normal behavior. It's it's cool uh, to do that. It is actually, um, it, nothing... the, what I have gathered essentially is that it is legal to drunk drive in Morgantown. It, it seems like you can just do that because, I mean, think about the coaches that they've had there recently. There must be mm. something keeping people like Dana Holgerson there for so long or Bob Huggins there for so long. And it is that it's the last bastion of the thing that they care about most, which is drunk driving legally in America. It's the last place you can do it. Yeah, I, I mean, listen, this is this is a this is a free podcast. I'd be a little bit careful, but uh-huh. I guess not really. I won't say any names, but I, I'm friends with like a, uh, quite a few uh, <laughs> recruiting guys for basketball, uh-huh. and, and you know, like <laughs> that is a sport where that's actually, despite it being like probably, I don't know, it's a pretty small industry, right? Like basketball recruiting guys, there's not nearly as many of them as our football. It's a little more national. Uh, I have had uh, <laughs> multiple of those guys, uh, meaning more than two of them. Uh, tell me they have like basically gone to Morgantown with Bob Huggins and or, or some other camp event where he has just like gotten a hotel bar to close down their bar and just let him drink with a couple reporters in there by themselves. Yeah. And just get blackout drunk. It's like a thing he likes to do. Like he has yeah. a couple arrangements for it around certain camps and home games for Morgantown. Um, it's not shocking to basically this happened. It's no, not, <laughs> I'm not very surprised by this. No, it's certainly, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I think it fits the character. Um, but <laughs> yeah, that does, that's a classic, that's like an eighties or nineties coach thing. I don't think a lot of coaches are still doing that, but that was probably super common before, like, you know, someone who works for the fucking hotel could just take a picture of you being blackout drunk with a bunch of reporters at the hotel. Um, I think most coaches were probably doing that back in the day. Um, this is not yeah, the box. to be in freaking Congress to do that, huh? Yeah, now you have to, yeah. Now you have to be one of those clowns. <laughs> pretty good, Congress. yeah. Pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> um, this is not the Bob Huggins episode. That's coming at a later date. This is a regular episode of Flipping the Field, normal style. Um, we've got, uh, we've got some news, we've got some things to sell you. And then eventually we're going to do an AAC preview, which we're going to, uh, wow. <laughs> we're going to push behind some news because there are a lot of teams in the AAC that are dog shit and don't, that don't mm-hmm. really marry, merit a whole lot of talking about. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about some other stuff before we get into that. Um, and the first thing we should probably talk about is meet at midfield, right? We should probably talk about meet at midfield.com. The haters and losers, they don't want us to do it, but, uh, we got to pay the bills. We got to get it done. Meet at midfield.com is our website. It's the place where you can get the premium podcasts, uh, you know, stuff from this show, stuff from your show with Kevin, uh, high street freaks, which is, uh, Ohio state adjacent. I would say it's not an Ohio state podcast, but it's sometimes you guys talk about Ohio state. Usually 
You talk about uh, business. You guys are big business mindset guys, so it's mostly business on there, crypto, things of that it's nature. Um, but you can get the premium posts as well, including both of the written posts for the AAC preview, which are up on the website now, Ryan's uh, continuous position previews, uh, all sorts of stuff like that, and the message board, which is popping and continues to be popping. It will never stop be popping. Um, it's good. It's good over there, meetatmidfield.com. Uh, subscribe, you get all that stuff, and probably more even that I have that I've forgotten about. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, there's a lot of shit going on in there, and it's also always ramping up for us to speak to the season. Yeah, um, and season you know, is, course, is we'll, basically here, as we've been saying. <laughs> right. I mean, like that's the good part now is like we we are basically to the point where we're having. I mean, you and I are writing at least two three articles a week each at this point. You know, yeah. Kevin and Taylor getting the swing of it as well. Like it's, it's getting pretty heavy with the preview stuff. We have, you know, conference previews are well underway for the G5. I have my P5 one starting up relatively soon. We're doing big 10 team previews. We're doing uh, kind of other kind of more in-depth previews of the season. We're going to be doing some, some stuff on kind of, I know like, you know, top position units around the country, um, you know, things like, you know, what to expect in terms of conference title laws, things of that nature. Yeah. Um, it, it's really getting here pretty fast for us, it, which is exciting. I mean, we're pumped about it. Um, and it's it's good to have you guys on there. And I mean, the site's grown a lot since we started last year. And I just like to keep doing that way. And yeah, I mean, the, the good part is, is like we're pretty fortunate that people stay around uh, year round. Yeah. And then it also gets a little more insane once this actually gets here. Like even for like we do cultivate the kind of people who care year round, which is nice for us. Yeah. Like we do have that kind of the kind of you know corner of people who are just freaks about this stuff. But like even among them, some people have to take a kind of a breather, have real life stuff going on. Uh, that like the, a lot of the freaks are kind of getting back into the swing right now and starting to get pissed off about recruiting stuff. And like, that's when, you know, as a guy you haven't heard from in like three months yeah. about college football, like has some take on like a, a low four-star recruit that they're like regional rivals recruiting against. That's when it starts to really, you know, the season's really here for everyone else. Yeah. Something we started doing this past week on the, on the forum was looking ahead to some of the week one games, which is a, a Ooh. classic college football off season move where you, for the first time, really look at that first week. Um, unfortunately, the the schedule that I like most, which is of course the LSUFootball.net TV schedule, still it it only has week zero right now. It doesn't have week one. I fear that. I have to wonder if the CIA is involved. Yeah, I fear that the that the, the LSUFootball.net is is not necessarily not long for this world, but that it is it's dipping a little bit in the in the dedication to it, which is understandable mm. because they don't have, as far as I can tell, ads on here or uh, any <laughs> source of income for running this wonderful database. Um, but uh, we, we did start to look ahead to week one. We did start to look ahead a little bit, even to week two. Um, yeah, and, that's, uh, that's it's, the thing it's really good. The, week, it's the, the thing about this year that, I mean, look, <laughs> it's a small consolation for how bad the TV networks have mostly made all of college football. Uh -huh. But I will say, like, the, the traditional dog shit week two and week three kind of slates are starting to become better. Like, we have some good week two games this year. Uh, it's actually like, I don't know, to me, about as good as week one, if not better. Yeah. Uh, aside from just the top end quality of LSU, Florida State. But like, I don't know, like we're starting to get some good games, like in that kind of uh, middle of the non-conference slate, kind of like week two, week three, week four. That's kind of starting to become better, which is nice. Um, 
I don't know, man. It feels real. It feels like college football is almost here. Yeah, that is really that. That should be the the subtitle for meet at midfield. Is <laughs> college football is basically here. It's the season is basically here. <laughs> meet at mid, yeah. Meet at midfield slow. Please trust us. We yeah. promise. Yeah. Um. So yeah, meet at midfield.com. Get over there. Subscribe. Uh. Right now, we've got plenty of stuff over there, and we have plenty more coming as the season does get closer. Um. Ryan, what do you want to start with this news here? Do you want to start with uh, with some Mountain West San Diego State stuff, or or yeah. Yeah. Maybe stuff that isn't, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see here. We we had a great situation in college football where, you know, like, remember when you were a kid or like a teenager and you, one of your friends would have like a crush on a girl or something like that and they would like Facebook message her like, oh, like, you know, so-and-so has a crush on you. Uh, I'm just kidding. Unless you mean it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and one of those, we basically had that happen in real time with San Diego State and the Mountain West mm-hmm. where, uh, I'm just going to read from the story here from Pete the Mel, but the long and short of it is on a Friday afternoon, uh, Pete the Mel published that San Diego State submitted a resignation letter yeah. uh, to the Mountain West, uh, basically saying they intend to resign from Mountain West Conference. Uh, but then they sent a follow-up later, follow-up letter just like days later, asking for a one-month extension given unforeseen delays involving other collegiate athletic conferences beyond our control. Yeah, and then another follow-up letter. Uh, asking for essentially a like payment plan for the way they can uh-huh. <laughs> pay their exit fees. Yeah. Uh, reason being, if they if they submit notice this month, uh, their exit fee is sixteen point five million. But if they delay into July, it is thirty four million dollars. Yeah. Um, which is a huge difference for a school like like San Diego State. Um, but they are they are actively exploring. Of course, the Pac twelve has been heavily linked. Uh, the problem being the Pac twelve does not have a TV deal. Yeah. <laughs> and like the TV deal is not necessarily proven to be done anywhere close. There have been reports, including from Jason Shear, 247 Sports, that the number to look at right now is $22.5 million for the schools, which is That's pretty poor in comparison. Yeah, yeah really bad. <laughs> it's really bad. Uh, really bad. And it's probably going to lose them some more teams to the Big 12, uh-huh. which then calls them a place to solvency the league. Uh, San Diego State's basically trying to, to say that they didn't actually submit a formal resignation. They were just saying they intended to resign, but they didn't formally resign yet yeah. based on their letter. Uh, <laughs> and then the conference came back and the follow-up article today with Pete Thamel essentially saying, uh, you can't have a payment plan. You did resign. You have to pay us that money, Yeah. Uh, which you owe us by the end of the month, basically. Yeah. Um, rent's due. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, rent's due. <laughs> uh there is some hairy, hairy shit going on, at least between San Diego State. They put themselves in a bad position. Yeah. Not entirely of their own making. Like, I don't think this is going to, I mean, like, it's tough for them to say, right? Because even if you get the offer to the Pac 12, you're still paying an extra, what is that, you know, $17.5 million yeah. uh, if you wait beyond, like, to actually get the confirmed, let, confirmed amount from the Pac 12. Yeah. But, and I don't think the deal is worth that much to them over that period of time. The deal is barely worth that much to the entire conference. <laughs> so, so the idea of the idea of submitting this far early, basically quitting your job before you get the next one lined up. Yeah, that's tough. That's that's fun to do as a guy, <laughs> yeah. individual person. Kind of kind of hard to do if you are a college football program. Yeah, you're you're quitting your job at like a like a not great you know you're at a you're at a local bank but it is a bank that's surviving to go to like a like a Bear Stearns style bank <laughs> like like mm-hmm. plummeting just well is it gonna be a company by the time I get there maybe I mean it might be it is at one point this was a big brand um yeah it, it is 
it's a really bad place for San Diego State to be because you don't want to be left with, you know, nothing. You don't want to be left with no conferences that will take you. You go and piss the Mountain West yeah. off, and then you get Louisiana Tech, and you end up in a really bad conference, and the Sun Belt isn't interested. You know, like, that that's... That's the situation that San Diego State could find itself in if the if the Pac-12 goes under or doesn't take it or whatever, right? Whatever that might look yeah. like, which yeah. I don't think is the likeliest outcome, but that is very much a possibility. And so you're sort of <laughs> you're sort of stuck here because yeah, you can't just take on an extra seventeen million dollars for no real reason. It's not. The, you know, the school is not in a position to do that. There aren't a lot of schools that would be in a position to do that. That's a lot of money. Um, but you also don't want to just sit there in the Mountain West and, and risk, you know, missing your ticket, essentially, if the Pac-12 does stay uh, something of a, a level above the other, you know, conferences and, and can be considered in that, that way. Because I think that TV deal stood, still would be worth more than the Mountain West by a considerable margin. But... You don't know if the league's going to exist. It's it's um it's a bad situation. It's a really bad situation. It's a bad situation for the teams in the Pac-12 right now too, especially those that don't have an obvious potential jump to the Big 12. You know, like what does Oregon State do here? What does Washington State do here? It's not it's not ideal right now on the West Coast. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know, man. Like, like I, I tend to think basically just their their link to like the Southern California television networks means someone has to snap them up. Uh, you know, I know we're, we're kind of anti-TV markets right now, but like the fact being that that's been vacated by USC and UCLA uh-huh. means there is some inherent value to San Diego state right now. Yeah. But like you said, I mean, that's a risky thing to put the whole gamble on, right? Yeah. You, you, you can't put all your chips on that question. Just the idea of the PAC 12, don't know what they're doing. The big 12 being unclear if they're ready to take you right now. Uh-huh. Uh, you can't go independent. You're not, you don't have the money to go independent basically. No. Um, not for not for more than like a year or two, essentially. You, no, they, there like there not, is not enough hat for that kind of cat. Yeah, yeah. I mean they, they they don't have. Yeah, it's not it's not going to work out. Yeah, yeah. You're, um, you're not getting a tithe either, like a like some some other independent schools <laughs> that have mm-hmm. had success being independent for longer. It's not you're not getting a percentage uh, of of your your fan base's money, right? Like that. No, this, they're calling up Fernando Tatis from from uh, from the Padres <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to hey, ask I, for a bailout. Yeah, we yeah. know you're a big Aztecs fan, so we're. <laughs> just checking to see you've maybe got an extra yeah. 30 million dollars burning a hole in your pocket um, yeah see what Kawhi Leonard's up to this summer yeah <laughs> hang out yeah, yeah. And, and another thing with that that I, I think in this the value of Southern California is there there is some right having a team in that market would be valuable for a conference but it's not like USC and UCLA literally vacated the area. They're still there. They're sure. still they're, yeah. they're, st- <laughs> they're still there. It's just not going to the Pac-12 now. It's going to the Big Ten. Um, and so it's not like those viewers just go to San Diego State. They're still going to just watch Correct, those teams. Yeah. It's, it's just that you would be but But in more the importantly, for like the leagues and the time zones west of the Mississippi – to have late night inventory is valuable, yeah. and San Diego State helps bolster that. Yeah, well, um, just go get Hawaii then. <laughs> just that's, yeah, sure. The, 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 go go grab a you know invent a college football team in Japan. That was a real thing that was being talked about like several years ago. Do you remember that when the Pac-12 was? <laughs> We're gonna look into having a school in Japan. Do you remember like two years ago when uh, Ken Stickney was talking about getting the University of Toronto to join the? Uh, 
uh, during the Big Ten. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's so <laughs> yeah, fun to think that about. Rocks. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. So it, it seems basically like like San Diego State is kind of kind of up Shift Creek here. I don't know that there's a great path forward for them other than just the Pac-12 announces a much higher than expected TV network deal today or tomorrow <laughs> and then snaps them up, right? Like that would be the best case scenario, but that doesn't seem especially likely at this point. It seems like they're yeah. just going to have to kind of get into a, you know, a, a, a pissing contest with the Mountain West, essentially. They're just going to have to fight with their conference. Which is always a great sign. No, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I, I do think basically they will get into one of these two power five leagues. I, I think they're a fairly obvious addition. Like if you're mm-hmm. looking at who else is available, you know, like I, I don't see any way the Pac-12 doesn't take them. Yeah. It's but a, the question it's, is just like. It's a good school in a good location with two good, you know, money-making programs. It's It, it could be a lot worse, certainly. Could be a lot worse. They kind of need the inventory. It makes a lot of sense. I, I just don't really, I mean, <sighs> But they're also really not incentivized to do them a favor here either. Like the fact that this went public is not great for San Diego State. No. And they may now be taking like an even further reduced share revenue or something like that to make this whole for, you know, as the as the SEC, sorry, the SEC, as the Pac-12 knows they're like already in an open bidding war with the Big 12 yeah. to retain schools like Arizona and Colorado, which have gone very public with their, with their discontent. And surely the situation's already known with Oregon and Washington. Yeah. Like you already know essentially you need more money to pony up for these guys. Uh, that I think this idea of, of you know, giving a decreased revenue share of San Diego State, you know how desperate they are, now becomes even easier. Yeah, which is still probably an upgrade for San Diego State, but not a huge one. No, right? So it's it's <laughs> like, man, I mean, there's all they they absolutely freaked it. There's no other way to say it. Yeah, they, they completely fucked this up. Yeah, they freaked it. <laughs> I think that's <laughs> I think that's a good place to leave it. Is that they freaked it? Um, Ryan, yeah. you know who you know who didn't freak it and who never freaks it? It's Homefield Apparel. Homefieldapparel.com. If you use the code so Made in Midfield, you can get fifteen percent off your first purchase. What could you purchase there? Well, shirts. You can get you can get t-shirts. You can get vintage collegiate logos on high quality t-shirts. You can get pants. Sometimes they got sweatpants. They've got, of course, sweatshirts, hoodies, things of that nature. Um, they've got some hats now, some really good hats. They they even have some uh, some some like bomber jackets, Letterman jackets. I don't know what you'd call those. Um, I don't know if they actually have any of those in stock right now. Not a big fashion guy. But uh, yeah. not yeah, not a big. I don't wear a lot. Yeah, not a lot of clothes over here. Just sort of. I'm walking around uh, like like the base. You know, the the base guy in a video game, the weakest guy who you can start with, who just has like a a nasty little rag on. That's mostly what I wear. But when I'm not wearing that, I usually wear home field apparel. Um, and, uh, I, if I had the chance, I certainly would have used the code meet at midfield for 15% off my first purchase. I think I made my first purchase pretty well before we established the website, but what are you going to do? Um, it's good. It's good over there. Homefield's got good stuff. Do you know what they're doing this week? I've not, uh, I've, I've Twitter has become basically I, I was, uh... impossible to use. And so I've not really, mm. I've not really had the chance to see, but I would assume that they, I was got all the way stuff. in on there. Yeah, they had those great uh, Kansas State and Texas drops this past week. This week yeah. they have Tennessee and Maryland coming out. Mm. Uh, new collections for those teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like they also had a really great shirt of the week with uh, Miami today. Yeah, so I guess it's probably too late to hear this if you're. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Just forget. <laughs> I said that one. <laughs> but go back and check out the stuff from last week. Uh, the Oklahoma State stuff, the Kansas State stuff is fantastic. Mm-hmm. The Tennessee stuff uh, coming in this week. Uh, Maryland coming in this Saturday as well. Um, some really good stuff. I assume the Tennessee gear is going to be fantastic. Yeah. Um, I think they are, I mean, they've done some great work there before and 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's exciting. It's basically every school now has home field, right? Is there any school that doesn't have home field gear? I, I have to imagine the list is very short. There are, uh, I of... think there are a couple. I don't know if they would want us to read those off on the ad read, but uh, mm, yeah, I, I, no, I, not yeah. <laughs> I think they have. I think they have basically mm. every school that you could possibly uh, you could possibly want. And if you have a school that isn't on the list, well, there's it's an issue with your school. It's not home field. Right. You should you know be a fan of a better school essentially. Um, yeah, they got all sorts of cool stuff over there. They they just had a uh, like you said the kansas state stuff is is just sweet that uh the lavender shirts they've got a couple of those that are wonderful um good stuff over there use the code meet at midfield for 15 percent off your first purchase uh if it's not your first purchase i've got nothing for you i can't help you but you you can still go to homefieldapparel.com yeah um and you can buy the stuff that's uh it's good it's good for us when you do that they like it when you go over there and you buy the stuff so uh, i'm certainly not going to stop you either hmm uh, I have been doing some pre-negotiations for basically, you know, I'm getting ready to go back to the United States, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, and I am, uh, I'm trying to get rid of some clothes before then. Cause I did that classic thing where I, I had already full bags packed on the way down and then yeah. I got more clothes, which uh-huh. kind of makes it tough. Yeah. Uh, so I'm currently negotiating, giving away some of my clothes and the home field gear has been hotly, hotly desired for my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, down here, wants a Buckeye gear, but I don't know if I'm willing to part with it. Yeah, we'll see. We're gonna work on it. I need to see some international bribes taking place. Mm-hmm. See what we can do. Yeah, uh, we'll bring liberation and home field to the people of Argentina. Yeah. Uh, uh, second little bit of news here, and this one would be a little bit more up your alley, but I did go through and I, I got a little bit of background for this, uh, for the uh, the sake of the message board, but also for the sake of, I guess, this segment. Um, Elite Eleven was last week, or this past weekend, or I don't really know when it was, uh, the quarterback event that has <laughs> some of the top recruits from around the country, a quarterback come in and uh, throw the ball to a bunch of uh, grown men, I guess. And there's not really a whole lot else that goes on there. A lot of people seem to be really into it. Ryan, what happened here? They are, What's going on they are high school receivers they're throwing to. Okay. Receivers. I think <laughs> they should get to throw to grown men. I don't think they should have to throw to high school receivers. It seems like there should be maybe a break from doing that. I, I think they should yeah. bring in like a bunch of NFL guys to throw to. They should turn it into like a CFL tryout, like guys yeah. who like had a pretty good year in the CFL or something, trying to get on the XFL, yeah, trying to get a job in the NFL. I think, yeah, really. I think they should turn it into a, a like an indeed sponsored job fair, essentially for these high school kids. <laughs> Maybe you could do something else. Maybe you could. <laughs> the guys who don't finish in the top eleven are just shifted over to the indeed job fair. <laughs> got the here's your the, Goldman Sachs internship. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they've got they've got like the army and and navy and and. <laughs> The Air Force stand set up. Oh, you could That's check right. to see if you can throw how fast you can throw the football over at the Army stand. Yeah. You can. <laughs> Highest velocity like gets a Hellcat. Yeah, yeah. Uh. General <laughs> Infantry. I hear it's doing pretty well these days, and it looks like maybe the football thing's not going to work out for you. So, might be worth t- taking a taking a chance here. Yeah, but uh, no, like you said, it's going to be eleven. I mean, it is. Look, it's obviously fake football, right? Like there is yeah. some of this stuff that's just kind of horseshit. It is just a lot of drills and then seven on seven. Yeah. So there's not a ton of, um, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily the most important thing in the world, but I do know it's an opportunity to kind of get to see these, uh, these top quarterbacks in the country essentially all lined up next to each other to kind of, you know, just see how they throw, see mechanics, yeah. uh, see velocity, things like that side by side. That is valuable when you're kind of splitting hairs like you have to be at, at this kind of level of, yeah, this level of, of, you know, evaluation of players, kids play so many different kind of states, so many different levels of competition, uh, different levels of teammates, like so many variables in place, just getting to see them all do the same events, same drills in the same place, same conditions. 
four, three days in a row yeah. uh, is kind of nice constant to the test against. Yeah, and, so and, there it, is, some and it, is, it is a competitive environment in which you can see them sure. trying to perform under the pressure of playing alongside each other, right? Like that. that is also there's some value there it's a that's a thing that is valued at the position traditionally um so yeah. the the winner and plus you have to figure too really quick by the way here yeah just the exclusion of uh of trent dilfer from the event has to be a huge bonus yeah of course. not having yeah. trent dilfer must be nice well yeah and he's just siphoning off now all of these five-star quarterbacks to uab as was expected right he's got three or four of the kids at this event already committed to uab from what i've from what i've seen um every uh really every guy who finished in the top six is you have to assume headed to uab because of trent dilfer the number one quarterback of all time the the, the quarterback so true. himself who will uh certainly lead uab to more success and not just yeah. flame out after two years um I, I will say really quick i know we're gonna talk about this but i do want to yeah. kind of talk about some of just the the guys who've won it in the past out yeah. of curiosity's sake because I, I i am kind of basically see how valuable this is right so yeah. so kate klubnik was like the guys who've already played Kate Klubnick won it over Drew Aller, Devin Brown, Quinn Ewers, the other guys that 2021 offseason. Um, Klubnick in line of center Clemson, I think by all accounts, he was pretty good, right? Like, I know we're, we're skeptical on Clemson, but I don't think Klubnick's the problem. Sure. Um, we have Caleb Williams won it the year before, mm-hmm. the year before that, beating, beating out your Drake May, your J.J. McCarthy's, your Kyle McCord. I know Caleb Williams is not your favorite player, but you can't call that a miss, really. No, he's, he's been a great college quarterback. Yeah, he won the Heisman. He's great for that kind of event, too. It's uh, the direct yeah. parallel to Lincoln Riley's offense is playing at one mm. of these games. <laughs> that kind of derision in your voice. Come on. <laughs> Listen, um, I mean, for, for what they do, they're very good at it. It's just not football. They're doing something that isn't football. It's something different entirely. Yeah. Uh, CJ Stroud won in 2019, beating out Bryce Young. Mm. Uh, DJ Ungalele did not compete, which is probably pretty wise by him. Mm. Um, so the other competitors <laughs> yeah, in, in included. Re- yeah, in retrospect. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Listen to, <laughs> listen to the list of guys who who made this uh, who made this, other, this 11 finals with those two. All right. Jeff Sims, okay. Drew Pine, Soljay Mayava, uh-huh. Chandler Morris, Haynes King, Ethan Garbers, <laughs> TJ Finley, Tyler Van Dyke, Luke Doty, Hunter Deckers, Jacoby Criswell, Holy Hudson shit. Card, Carson Beck, Harrison Bailey. Wow. Murderers Row. <laughs> wow. That's, wow. That's a lot of bad quarterbacks all in one group. Wow. Tough class yeah. there outside of the... <laughs> I'll, I'll really, I'm going to rapid fire, <laughs> rapid fire real other MVPs lately. Yeah. Uh, Spencer Rattler won in 2018. Mm. Um, the year before that, which again, you know, pretty good. Uh, Justin Fields won the year before that. Uh, Tua before that. Uh, Shea Patterson, kind of tough one here. Oh. Uh, beat out Dwayne Haskins and, and uh, well, I mean, Shea a was, bunch of nobodies. Shea was what, like a three or four year college starter? It's not that bad. It could be worse. If we, no, if, it's not terrible. If it's we're giving terrible. them credit for Spencer Rattler, I don't think that Shea Patterson is that far off from that, at least. I guess. Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, besides Dwayne Haskins, pretty much everyone else here is pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, to be fair. Yeah. Um, let's see before that. <laughs> hmm okay it gets it gets worse you get 20, 2015 before it gets pretty bad yeah because okay i'm gonna name you some competitors in 2014 i want to i want this is the last one we'll do i want you to guess the winner okay um so just a few competitors here uh jared stidham josh rosen kyler murray drew Locke, deandre francois blake barnett uh ricky town uh brandon wimbush any guesses on who took this one home i think blake barnett won it 
If, if, if Blake Barnett did win. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I remember from uh, from my days at Buckeye Sports Bulletin because I, I think I Let's went go. through that history as well because I was like, I need to pad out this fucking story. Let's toss yeah. in some old winners. I, I believe it was uh, yeah the the three school man himself, Blake Barnett. Uh, okay, wait, I have to lie one more time because there was one more one that's really funny, which is Sean White the year prior beating yes. out the Sean Watson. God, Sean uh, really White was good. hilarious. Sean, the Sean White hype was so good. Uh, it's, yeah. We need him Okay, back. basically, it's, for 2016 on, they got pretty serious about this Yeah, thing. which is also, you could just say that of, like, quarterback recruiting analysis in general. Yeah. yeah after 2016 yeah. or so, they've been pretty good at it. Yeah, they've been pretty good lately. Yeah. But anyway, Julian Sayan won the whole thing. Alabama's quarterback commit. Yeah. Um. He is the guy I know I have been very high on for quite a while. I think I called him the top quarterback in the class since the start of the year, pretty much. Yeah. Um, he was, you know, there are other guys that's higher on early on, uh, especially like in the, like about a year and a half ago, it was really high on Jaden Davis, the Michigan commit. I think he's kind of stalled out in development, uh, as has Dylan Rayola, who has basically a, a huge arm, but to me is not much of an actual quarterback on the field. Yeah. Um, Rayola did, was kind of one of the consensus top performers here. The other guys who are kind of on the top of the list were Aaron Nolan, Ohio State's commit, um, Florida State's Luke Cromenhoek, uh-huh. uh, and or who knows, and uh, Penn State's Ethan Grunkemeyer. Yeah. So big, big year for white guys with weird names, but yeah. um, it's hard. I mean, it's it's so hard for me to imagine getting a good college career out of a guy named Grunkemeyer. That's not a quarterback name. <laughs> Even Cromenhoek, right? Like it's yeah, really not going to happen Kromenhoek. for him. It's tough. It's tough. There's. I don't want guys who sound vaguely. Like Polish at quarterback. Yeah, sorry, it's just they're not good quarterbacks. It's racially. If you, they if don't you make have any kind of like, if you have any kind of Germanic or Slavic heritage, you should be playing basketball. It's yeah. it's not like it's just yeah, football's not the right. Sport get on the you. offensive line, motherfucker. Move on. I don't want to see you back there. <laughs> Although I guess that the best comparison for Chrome and Hook is like Ryan Tannehill, mm-hmm. as in they're both converted wide receivers who seem to you know. Not quite be polished quarterbacks this level, but have some juice to him, like big yeah. arms, basically. Yeah, he's a Roman. He's a he's yeah, a, up and down, but he's yeah. a crazy ass white boy who's been a giant frame. He should be playing small forward, but it's okay. It's fine that he wants to play yeah. quarterback. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I've I've I watched uh, the guys who were in the group of eleven on the second day. I went through and watched the the tape for all of those guys. Um, it was hard for me to not come to the conclusion that Julian Sayan is the best quarterback in the class yeah looks like the best mm-hmm. one he's just really good at everything basically sometimes his feet are a little bad but not often he's he is the best at basically everything that i wanted to see from a quarterback um i think noland is really good too obviously he's uh he looks like a fucking ryan day quarterback they all look this way they all they all play the same way in high school and then they end up being basically the same guy in college he's very good at finding so true. those guys yeah. um Rayola. Yeah, I mean, if you if you basically merged like Dwayne Haskins and CJ Stroud and made him a lefty, yeah. it's it's Ariel. It's yeah, Ariel. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Rayola for for as big as his arm is, is not an especially impressive athlete on the tape. I, I don't think he's sort of just he doesn't look entirely comfortable on the football field. It seems like he's maybe thinking about it too much. Um, I I think you can compare him to any uh, vaguely like kind of described often as athletic, but not actually all that athletic big quarterback of late. Um, yeah. Dwayne Haskins is the comp that on three has run with. I think that's fair Deshaun Kaiser is another one who comes to mind. James Winston comes to Good mind. Um, he's going to throw the ball about three feet too high every single time he throws it. And it's just a matter of, 
if you're if if he was aiming to the right spot or not. But he does have a big arm. Um, I don't really understand. I'm gonna be honest. I think that you guys have lost the plot on Jaden Davis. I think he's fine. He he looks he looks like a good quarterback. He looks like a a high four star quarterback. Uh, yeah, I think you have to also have. I don't know how much context you have on who he's playing against, the level of competition he's at too. But it's like play, he's playing like very small private school in North Carolina football. Yeah, uh, with like. Providence Day is basically like a team full of it's like an all-star team in a private school in North Carolina, but they play it's like how yeah, Arch Manning's competition was. Yeah. Where they they get a bunch of like, you know, division one division one players play against a bunch of like rich white kids who don't play sports after college. Yeah. Uh which like it, it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> it looks awesome. But I think Davis is I, again, I, I think I am obviously talking shit on social media for exaggeration. Mm-hmm. I have said pretty consistently he's still in the back half of my top ten. Like, I think he's a top ten quarterback in the class. I just don't think he has like the arm or the, like as small as he is, I don't think he's that good of an athlete just by him being a top five quarterback in the class. Like if you're going to be little, you better be quicker than that is my opinion. Yeah. Um, And to be fair, the same thing is true about Julian Sayan, right? Julian Sayan's like 195, like six foot six one. Yeah. But he's just a much better processor and thrower in my opinion than than Davis is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I still like Davis. Like I'd, I'd have him, um, I don't know. I think I'd probably have him seventh or eighth, like among my quarterbacks, which is, st- I mean, that's still a, a pretty high praise. I think he's still a top 100 player in the class. I think he's like a, a guy who's going to start the power five level. I just think he's not like a, a, he's not a slam dunk guy to me the way maybe the top, I don't know, maybe I'm biased here, but to me, the top two in the class is Julian Sand and Aaron Nolan. And that's pretty much like those two guys are the only two I feel very confident are going to be very good. Yeah. Uh, there's other guys with a lot of potential, like your Rayola's. I know you hate Lagway, and I don't like him very much either. But like yeah. a kid that big with that much velocity does have a chance, right? Yeah, yeah um, maybe, maybe someone will teach him how to throw the football. Unfortunately, he is <laughs> he's committed to Billy Napier, who uh, not a not a great track record of teaching big guys who can't throw the football how to throw the football. Um, I would say he's zero for one. <laughs> on that one so yeah. far in Florida. <laughs> and the good news is it turns out you don't actually have to do that to get them drafted. So yeah. that is that is the good part. Well, for, yeah, for and that's way. and and I mean, you have to think that is number one job for Billy Napier at Florida is getting his quarterbacks drafted after going fucking <laughs> 6 and 7 with them. That's awesome, dude. Great yeah. great work. Ryan Day school of thought, man. It, it, it rocks. Um yeah, developed yeah. here, baby. That's right. <laughs> there is just like a, you know, uh a food chain that goes like, you know, Billy Napier getting eaten by Lane Kiffin, getting mm-hmm. eaten by Lincoln Riley, getting eaten by Ryan Day right now. Yeah. Which are just like guys who are all pretty much the same at, or just maybe slightly better at quarterback development, but uh, just how many games you actually win yeah. is kind of the difference between them. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I like Julian Sane a lot. I like Aaron Nolan a lot. Um, Dylan Rayola, I get why people like him. I don't agree. Mm-hmm. Roman Hook has a shot. Gronka Myers kind of come out of nowhere. I need to actually spend time watching him. Yeah. Uh, but he kind of kind of came out of nowhere the last few months. I don't know. Um, I'm not very high on Lagway. I, I, I actually like CJ Carr a good bit, and I think he is um he is the classic, like he's gonna give you like he's gonna maximize his potential kind of quarterback. I just don't think that potential is very high. Mm-hmm. But I think he's a solid P5 starter. Uh, for a few years, I don't know. He could be, he could be Cam Rising, right? Which is like a good college sure. quarterback. I he, just don't think he's ever going to be. Like yeah, a, he looks. He looks yeah. to me like a Notre Dame quarterback, which he is. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. He looks like a Notre Dame quarterback. Um, yeah, there, there's yeah. it. It kind of drops off after that that top four or five. You start to 
the the potential starts to dip and you start to get into like, yeah, this could be a pretty good Big 12 starting quarterback, which is, you know, a common kind of guy to be, especially coming out of Texas. A lot of the guys coming out of Texas every year are just, you know, hey, this guy's five foot eight, but he can (laughs) he can make most of the throws within one of these offenses. It should be fine. Um, And and so you do get into that. But uh, yeah, it's it's the the guys at the top are, are pretty impressive. I came away impressed with Sayan. I came away impressed with Noland. Um, I think Rayola has like his moments. Yeah. Uh, Davis, I, I thought was was solid as well, and then Chrome uh, and Hook would be the one who rounds out my my yeah. top five in some order. I don't know if that's the exact group. Yeah, I, I like the kid committed TCU is kind of a sleeper here. Uh, mm. The House Hedgeney kid, mm. um, he played yes. pretty well. I yeah. thought he's good, good player. Um, I do still. He didn't have a great performance this week, but I do like uh, Ryan Pelisi, mm-hmm. the second Georgia commit. Uh, I think if you're picking a guy who's going to improve over time, he's on my list. Um, do not like Elijah Brown very much at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am pretty down on him. Pretty down on the on the Ar- or the Auburn commit, uh, Walker White. I think he's kind of cheeks. Um, the Oregon kid, Michael Van Buren, not a big fan, too yeah. little. Um, I think the LSU commit, Colin Hurley, is going to either go very poorly or very badly. Mm-hmm. Like uh, has some has some Emory Jones vibes to him to yeah. me. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of my that's kind of my take corner. I don't really have anything else. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's talk AAC then. Let's move into the conference of uh, four Champions. or five. Yeah, the conference of four or five pretty good teams, <laughs> and then a whole lot of dog shit. Um, new look AAC. We're gonna go alphabetical order because they don't have divisions, as far as I could tell. Uh, starting, of course, then with uh, with Biff. We're Poggy pilled. We're, we're I know it's not Poggy, but I'm gonna call him Biff Poggy because that's his name. That's what his name should be. Uh, and the Charlotte 49ers. This team sucks. This team's dog shit. They're really bad. They were really bad last year, and despite a whole bunch of transfers, I don't really think they're going to get a whole lot better. They've got an FCS guy in at quarterback and Jalen Jones. He was okay, I guess, at Bethune-Cookman. He got seemingly processed out of Jackson State um, <laughs> under Dion, which is a funny thing to have happen. Originally signed with Florida. Um, didn't ever play there, uh, went to the Juco ranks briefly and then jumped back up at Bethune Cookman. He's a, he's a decent runner. He's an okay passer. I don't think he's going to do a ton outside of the structure of the offense and outside of what his skill support can do. Um, Micah Bowens is also here, former Penn state and Oklahoma guy. I don't think he's going to play this year, but he is there. Uh, the issue for Jalen Jones and really the issue for this Charlotte offense in general is that the skill core is uh, not very good. Shadrick Bird returns at halfback. He's pretty good. He's fine. Um, they didn't really add a whole lot in the portal at running back. There's a couple of guys who didn't mm. do a whole lot. There's a NIU player who was originally a St. Francis uh, high school player, which is where Poggy was from originally, which is the connection there. And then there's two guys who didn't play much at Maryland. Um out wide this uh this receiver's room is a is a i would say a, a real who's who of just remembering some guys uh Jaden Bradley from Pitt Randy Fields from UT Martin by way of West Virginia uh Jack Hastera from Colorado Andrew Jacobs from South Dakota and Ike White from Minnesota none of whom have done much of anything at the college level they got uh, eight transfers on the offensive line as well. I don't think that that's going to help a whole lot because the only guys that they grabbed who have played before were awful at bad schools. Like, uh, 
former tackle at Akron or a former Georgia State tackle. Um, this offense is bad. I think this is probably going to be one of the worst offenses in college football. They did grab a guy, the Maryland connections that they grabbed a guy who had been at Maryland. So I guess they're going to try and smoke and mirrors their way to some offensive success. If you have a bad offensive line, that's better than nothing. But um, I don't think this offense is going to be really anything, <laughs> anything seriously competitive this season. The defense is okay. I think the defense has at least a little bit that we can that we can like, which is uh, primarily on the defensive line. Line is pretty good, legitimately. Jalar Hawley and Des Morgan are back at tackle, um, and then they added uh, Iabi Oki. Is it Iabi? Iabi Oki from Michigan. Iabi Oki, right? Um, the... Yeah, former former five star. Uh, he could be probably, I would think, immediately one of the best edge rushers in the conference. Um, mm. I mean. <laughs> You'll see who else is in the conference. There's not a whole lot going on. <laughs> yeah, I know. But just the whole, like, guy who's transferred 16 times thing, I, yeah. I don't know if I'm if I'm loving it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he was decent at Michigan last year. He didn't play a whole lot, but he was he was okay. He, was, he, he did fairly well in, um, you know, a higher level of competition. Um, they added, uh, is it, it can't be Demon Clowney, right? It's got to be Demon. It, it it's Demon, okay. I think. Yeah. <laughs> they added Demon But he, he is related to Jadavion. He, yeah. It's like, uh, I think it's a cousin or something. He's also much worse than Jadavion, but he is here. Um, mm. uh, Emmanuel Balagun from Marshall is pretty good. I think he'll be a capable contributor for them. Um, Osita Ikwonu Ikwonu from Notre Dame, who's not done a whole lot, former linebacker. They've got him on the line now. Um, And then that's about it, honestly. (laughs) That's that's about all they've got on the defensive line. But I think those ends are going to end up being pretty good for them. And they will need them to be because there's nothing else going on on this defense. It's a whole bunch of transfers who have not really done much at the uh, at the FBS level or guys who played pretty well at the FCS level. Um, I think this team's bad. I think this team's going to be really bad. I think it's going to be a pretty bad year for for Biff to start things out. And we love to hear that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think he's a very serious coach. He does also kind of look like a Star Wars villain vaguely. Yeah. Um, he just kind of looks <laughs> fucked up. I yeah. I, I, it is it is funny to bring in like one of the biggest transfer classes, if not the biggest, I guess Colorado's would be bigger, one of the biggest transfer classes in the country and to still not really have a whole lot of talent on your roster. <laughs> I don't know how he did that. He managed to find all of the P5 guys who also don't have any talent. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty cool. <laughs> Other than the defensive line. Um, oops, all defensive line is basically the Charlotte approach this year. Uh, I, I guess that, that could go worse, right? Like, I mean, if you're yeah. going to have be deep somewhere. Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah, I'd rather that than you go and get a bunch of fucking wide receivers without a quarterback or an offensive line like some schools we know. Um, hmm. th- that could apply to about <laughs> 20 different G5 schools. They love to do that. G- bad G5 yeah. schools love to just get a bunch of wide receivers. Um, I mean, to be fair, it is like maybe the easiest position to like predict for. It's like, hey, I'm yeah. just going to 6'1 guy who runs 4'4 four, four, and I'll teach him how to play football later. Yeah. I get why you do it. Yeah, I would say it's maybe the easiest <laughs> of the transfer, <laughs> transfer positions. Um, schedule here for Charlotte is not especially hard, but I think for a bad team, it will be pretty hard. Uh, they start yeah. the season. Four straight with... games in prime time, by the way. What's up with this? That's awesome. <laughs> we can't miss We can't miss out on <laughs> Charlotte football. Everybody's got to see this. Uh, start the season at home against South Carolina State in what could very well be the only win of the season um, because after that, it is at Maryland, uh, Georgia State at home, at Florida, at SMU, and Navy at home is the next stretch. I don't think there's a win in there. 
Nope. Maybe they beat Georgia State or maybe they beat Navy. I, it's kind of hard for me to see a first-year D.C. beating Navy um, with a defense full of transfers. I don't know that I would bet on that. Um, and then it is at ECU, FAU at home, at Tulsa, Memphis at home, Rice at home, and then at South Florida to end the season. Maybe you get Rice. You're being really nice. Yeah. Uh, I mean, say South Florida is maybe vulnerable, but that's that's a road game for them. Yeah. Not necessarily going to bet on Charlotte on the road. Yeah, the, the the issue here is I think the 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 easiest of these games that you could win, save for the the Rice game, which is I think the second most likely win on the schedule. They're all on the road. You have to go to ECU, you have to go to Tulsa, and you have to go to USF. Like those would be winnable yeah. games if they're not on the road, but they are on the road, and so like by by SP plus, they're Charlotte's a double digit dog in those games already like that that's not good that's not good that those are that those are road games because i don't think you're beating fau i don't think you're beating memphis it's basically going to come down to rice on if they win one or two games this year it's it's not it's not good it's not good yeah yeah i mean it's it's really bad and i think also worth noting too like not just are those games road games but mm-hmm. there is a certain level of just institutional recruiting talent you have from being the aac and the money that comes with that for several years mm-hmm. um like i think just the overall roster talent well not necessarily extreme for teams at ecu or tulsa uh or usf even it's just a a bit better than charlotte right it should be um yeah in theory it should be it should be (laughs) so we're so we're at one and 11 for these guys yeah i uh i put them down in the preview as two and ten but honestly it's kind of hard to find that second one i think that they could maybe you know they they get they get lucky in one of those late games bigger than like just the mac chaos win basically yeah pretty much because i I don't know that any of those teams that i rattled off that they have to go on the road to are are good enough that we should be you know, confident in them winning a home game, even if they should. Um, injuries can always be a factor as well. So I think they might get a second one in there. I just don't know which one it would be. I would not, I don't think I would pick one out right now. Just they get a second one floating somewhere. Um, next up here, ECU. It's going to be, it's going to be rough. It's going to be a rough season season for ECU. And I'm going to say this for a lot of teams in the AAC. It's going to be a rough season. Um, last year was kind of the year they were building towards, which is not, ideal because they went eight and five and that's I don't know that I would want to build to eight and five after four years I think maybe one a little bit more than that uh and now all of those guys are gone basically Holt Naylor's is gone they lose both of their top receivers they lose Keaton Mitchell at halfback Rajai Harris is back he's been here for a while he'll be a good number one back but um the rest of the offense is is not in a great spot they lost too many close games and they missed their opportunity essentially they could have been too lane if they won those games and they they didn't um now the uh quarterback is probably mason garcia who's not played a whole lot he's been a backup for three years um <clears throat> harris is back at halfback like i mentioned I think he'll be the number one guy in a room that has a couple contributors. Uh, receivers do not have a whole lot going on. They grab some transfers who have not done much at P5 schools. And the other guys who returned were just backups last year. Jalen Johnson, I think, is going to be pretty good. Big play guy. I, I, I like him a decent amount. I like Shane Calhoun at tight end a decent amount. Offense isn't going to be, like, worst in the country, but it is going to take a pretty serious step back unless Garcia is awesome. Um, the defense doesn't lose a star, doesn't lose a Holt Nailers. It just didn't have one. It, it, it's it's not that they didn't lose players. It's just that they didn't really have anybody who's worth mentioning. Um, they just lose a bunch of starters. They, they've got a couple of P5 guys coming in who I think could be, 
decent as transfers. They have safety starter Julius Wood is pretty good. I like him. I think he's a decent guy to build around. Um, linebacker room is pretty much all new. The line should be pretty good. I like Jeremy Lewis and Chance Stephens at uh, defensive end. I think tackle Elijah Morris is pretty good. I'm not sure exactly who the fourth guy is going to be, but I like that three-man group. Defense should be better than the offense. I just don't think either one is going to be especially good. This is a step-back year for for ECU, for sure. Those first four years were kind of building to the 2022 season, and now they're going to need to be uh, starting over a little bit and building towards something. I wonder how much patience they're going to have, honestly, for Mike Houston and, and for doing this, that the payoff was eight and five. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's been a while since they've done better though, right? Like I think this program should be better than it is, but it's, it's just been a I minute agree. since they've actually yeah. done anything. Yeah. I think they probably um, also think they should be better than what they are. Yeah, man. I don't know. I'd have to think they go for somebody new soon, but, but probably not this year, right? I don't think four and eight gets fired or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but I think it probably sits the clock on a, Hey, make a bowl game next year, or else you're cooked. I, I think that, that yeah, I, I think that's probably what it is. Is you can you can do a down year. You bought yourself a down year with uh, what should have been back to back bowl berths. They had the 2021 bowl game was canceled, um, but they were going to go to one back to back winning seasons. I think probably buys you one down year, but it is definitely a this has to be a quick rebuild back to bowl eligibility, and that team has to then be building to more in 2025. Um, and I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't know if that's going to be the case at ECU. There's not a ton of young talent to build around right now. There's there's not a whole lot of guys that I would be excited about moving forward. Um, and honestly, I think they're going to be pretty bad this year. I think this is going to be a pretty rough season for them. And they don't do themselves a whole lot of favors with this non-conference schedule because they're going at Michigan. Uh, they're hosting Marshall. They're going at Appalachian State. And then they host Gardner-Webb. That's a that's a pretty rough stretch for a not very good team. I think they could win maybe one of those games against Marshall or App State. I would assume they beat Gardner Webb, but it feels like the likeliest outcome is one and three there, right? That's tough. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. Marshall though has just not looked very well put together, I yeah. guess so far to the to this kind of regime, which is, is tough for me as a Charles Off guy. Yeah, but um, people are very high on Marshall this year. That, that I've 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 found that people are, I, I, people are really high on Marshall. I get why too. It's just talent accumulation, right? Like they're just recruiting better than most of the conference. Which yeah. like when you have a significant talent edge of the G five, it's pretty rare to actually do that. So I do get why people get hyped up, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, let's see him actually be coached well first. They they also get Rashid Ali back, right? Isn't he a uh, yes? Isn't he... Yes, I just looked yeah, at that, so that la- last week. Yes, they uh, he's hard to find on the roster. They don't have a twenty twenty two page uh, for him, but he is there. So I did also, I believe, forget him. My running back rundown, which was kind of on me. So that's well, that's, uh, that's my fault. He, he barely um, played last year. It's hard to blame you. It's okay. Yeah, but also I do see a one and three start. I'm with you here. Yep. Um, the good news is it does get. I wouldn't say like. Uh, I think they they have a shot to maybe go 500. I don't know. I think um, I think they could win one or two of the next four games on the schedule, which is at Rice, SMU at home, Charlotte at home, and at UTSA. If they're, I think best case scenario, you could beat Rice and Charlotte. That'd get you to what? Three and three and five. Three and four. Three and five. Uh, yeah, yeah, one and three. Start. Three and four. Three and four going to UTSA. Yeah, well, with their and they're going to lose to UTSA. So three and yeah, five. of course. Um, yeah. and <laughs> and then they're going to lose to Tulane too, which is three and six. Yeah, and then they're going to lose to FAU, which is three and seven, and then it's at Navy and and Tulsa at home to end the season. Um, I think this is four and eight. I think they beat Tulsa and lose to Navy. I, I think it's a I, it's a pretty significant step. But this roster is bad. This is not. There's uh, not a ton yeah. of top end talent here. I do agree with you, but 
I'll say this. I think it's four and eight, but I think that five and seven is a fair bit likelier than three and nine. Yeah. Um, based on like the gettability of Marshall, even of FAU. I know if I, I like FAU, we both do, but still, let's see it happen first. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe even of SMU. Like I think there is just some gettability here on the roster on, on the schedule that five and seven seems more fair to me than, than three and eight, but I'll, I or three and I I'll stuck with a four and eight record here. Yeah. Uh, next up FAU. This is one that I was very excited about when I was going through and collecting the roster because most of this team is back and they were a couple close games away from being a bowl team last year. And I think they have a better coaching staff uh, and added a couple really nice pieces in the portal with, of course, a Tom Herman style individual at the helm. We love Tom Herman. We love a Tom Herman style individual. He's looking different every day. We love that for him. Um, I think this team is going to be pretty good. We, we need to talk about this on the podcast. I know we did it on the message board, but yeah. like people, some people started like getting this on, on social media now too. Uh, he really does have a different face in every fucking picture. He's, yeah. Like it's crazy. He has the Gucci man clone uh, program working for him. I think. Yeah. He is the Gucci man. <laughs> a lot of people have called him. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about? Are you familiar with this? The yes, the 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 skinny clone that came out of jail. The po- yeah, the post prison yeah. Gucci clone. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes, I, I do. mean, yeah, of course. I yes, they're they're. It is funny to think that there's a there's like a, a top secret cloning machine and they're using it to make a hundred Tom's Herman. They're just sending them out all over the country like different mascots. <laughs> Check it out. We've got crazy skinny looking Tom Herman. We've got filled out thick Tom Herman. We've got Tom Herman's all across the board. We've got like how about uh, uh, how about Hall of Wax? Tom Herman. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Yeah, we've got we've got Trailer Park Tom, where he's got like his front teeth are missing. Yeah, there there are a lot of have, different have, Toms that we're seeing. These have you days. seen the conspiracy theory about Disney Hall of Presidents? You know what I'm talking about here? No. That if you look at the the wax, you know Disney Hall of Presidents, they have wax figures for the presidents. If you sure look at the the wax figure for Donald Trump, uh-huh. it looks suspiciously like they converted a Hillary Clinton wax figure into <laughs> Donald Trump wax figure. <laughs> <laughs> and I, that's awesome i would like to see tom herman with the hillary clinton neck yeah. that's what i want to see going on yeah i like um, a, i like a low stakes conspiracy theory like that as well that's that, yeah <laughs> that's i mean you, people look this up it is really funny it's like if you it's undeniable to me it's it's just like a real one i just yeah. think it's true yeah um so anyway tom herman has has accumulated i think one of the better rosters in the conference here and i think we'll have better one one of the better teams in the conference um at quarterback which was sort of the big need for this team with nikosi perry gone uh he got two guys daniel richardson from central michigan who he apparently didn't like very much because he went and got casey thompson after spring practice a guy he recruited to texas obviously formerly of nebraska um if he can stay healthy i think he's a he's a totally fine g5 starter within this offense he knows the system I, i think it makes sense um they also got kobe lewis who was at purdue this past season formerly Mm. of central michigan has been hurt for several years now but when he's healthy he's a good running back um devin price from texas a&m and then a whole bunch of tight ends khalil brantley from miami elijah brown from alabama and jackson sumlin from oklahoma um those guys are all i think pretty good on the offense pretty good transfers it's a good group um and they are joining a a skill core that is really solid honestly uh larry mccammon is back after rushing for more than a thousand yards last year as is number two rusher zuberry mobley who i think is fine solid he'll slot in somewhere um and then they bring back three of their top four receivers as well with jaquan burton tony johnson and lejante wester who was the best of the bunch last year 
Um, I, I think this offense is good. I think this offense is going to be good. I think the rushing attack is going to be really good. Ed Warner's here. He's the run game coordinator. We know his history with Herman. Um, the question is really going to be, the, the ceiling question is going to be the passing game. It's going to be, does Casey Thompson step into this role? How does he handle it? What does the, what does the passing game look like? Uh, Charlie Fry is here as the offensive coordinator. I think that there's reason to be pretty confident about the passing game that he and Herman can put together. Um, and honestly, I, I just, I wouldn't really bet against the Tom Herman offense being pretty good. I think this is one of the better offenses in the league, if not, you yeah. know, top two or three, honestly. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he knows how to construct one. He's had some ups and downs, obviously. And I think that some of his core tenants had to be revealed over the years, but uh-huh. we haven't really still to this day, I've not seen like a horrible Tom, Tom Herman offense, right? Like I, yeah. I'm pretty confident we'll get it figured out sooner or later. Yeah. And um, there's, and there's plenty of talent here that it, it really, there's not a reason for it to not be the case. Um, the, the thing would then be the defense, right? You would assume the defense probably wouldn't be very good, but I, I think it will be, I think the defense will be good as well. Um, they only lose a couple of starters. Most of the guys from last season's defense, which was honestly pretty decent, uh, is, is back. I, I think the defense is going to be really good. This line is awesome. Marlon Bradley and Chris Jones as three, four defensive ends, I think makes a ton of sense. They get uh, Indiana transfer Richard Thomas as well there. And then this group of defensive tackles is wonderful. My favorite of the bunch is Evan Anderson, who's 6'3", 356 pounds. You can only play him so much, but that's a big boy, especially in this conference. Um, Latrell Jean is really good as well. He'll play plenty. Uh, behind them, there are there are a few more question marks. At linebacker, there's a lot of turnover, but I think Jalen Wester and Eddie Williams, who were the, the second unit last year, are really good. I think they will be totally fine. They also got a guy here. I don't know if you saw this name in my preview. Jackson Ambush, transfer from Albany, who had 180 tackles over two years as a starter. Um, that's awesome. That's an awesome linebacker name. We love that. Yeah, I mean, that's fantastic. It's uh. The, the whole the whole like roster here is honestly pretty good. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I love a guy named Armani, which I think you haven't gotten to yet. Love love a Zaire, love a Desmond, love a Chikori. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty hyped by just the overall defensive roster. And, and also worth noting here, I think you're going to get into momentarily. They did a really good job of retaining their guys like from the transfer portal too. They right? did. Like, yeah, a di- a difficult thing to manage during a staff transition, like and especially when you have some all conference guys trying to bring back here. Yeah, but really good job keeping their top dogs in place which I think speaks a bit to kind of some of the interest in the coaching staff. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the outside edge rushers, the linebackers, Courtney McBride and Morvin Joseph, I think are going to be good as well. And then you get into the secondary, and the secondary is pretty much intact. Um, Armani Eli Adams is the uh, he was a first-team all-cusa safety last year. Really hard hitter. Just a nasty safety to have, um, as well as Dwight Toombs II, who was his co-starter last year. Um, they bring in Jeron Morris, who's a really good slot corner for Texas State, uh, and can kind of take on the role left by Tasia Young, who has, he's one of the few starters who's gone. Um, and then at corner, both starters from last year, Day-Day Hill and Romaine Mungan are back. Um, I think this defense is going to be really good too. Honestly, I think that this is a, this is a title contending team year one under Tom Herman. I think they're going to be really good. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you. As you know, I'm, I'm already in the tank for Tom Herman. It's not too hard to convince me. And the schedule is also, I mean, pretty manageable this year, right? You, yeah. I think you have a couple of tough games, uh, especially, I mean, we'll get into this here in a second, but especially Clemson, UTSA, are real challenges, obviously. But besides that, like, there's not a game on the schedule where I would say they can't win it. Yeah. Um, yeah. They and, and even UTSA at home, like, I doubt it. So they win, but I wouldn't say it's 
impossible. Yeah, so they start the season here, as you as you mentioned, they get uh, two pretty tough road trips. But before that, they have Monmouth at home and Ohio at home. Then they go at Clemson and then at Illinois. Um, I mean, you would assume they lose both of those those P five road trips, but I think they can beat Ohio and Monmouth and start start two and two. And yeah. are we sure about and, Illinois and at this point? Are we sure exactly. Illinois is going to be yeah. like? Good. I don't. There's a, there's a whole lot of Illinois unknown. lost everything. Yeah. There's a yeah. Illinois lost everything. Like Illinois every lost guy you shirt. know from yeah. Illinois is gone. Yeah. Like <laughs> besides what Isaiah Williams, pretty much. Yeah. And I like Isaiah Williams. It's a, but that tough to build a team around that. It's, yeah. I I don't think it's impossible that FAU could win that game. I don't know that I want to predict it at this point because the the uh you know, FAU's relying on some new faces and was a 5 and 7 team last year and as much as I like the roster it did still go 5 and 7 last year. Um but I I think that that's a winnable game. Yeah. I'll say 2 and 2 for the sake of not going out on a limb and saying that a, a G5 team is going to beat a P5 team, which I do sure. a lot in these previews. And so I'm going to try and avoid that here. Um, but it's a pretty easy two game stretch out of that non-conference slate. It's Tulsa at home and at USF. They're going to win both of those games four and two heading into that home game with UTSA, um, which like you said, I don't think they're going to win, but they could, I think they could totally win that game. I, I I'm not going to pick it. But I think they could absolutely win that game. Four and three, heading into a, a very nice three-game stretch of at Charlotte, at UAB, and ECU at home. That's three wins, um, and then they close out the season Tulane at home and at Rice. Um, I don't know that they're going to beat Tulane. I, I, I fear that they're probably not going to beat Tulane, and that they do beat Rice, and that that's eight and four, and it's it's not as good as it maybe could have been. Um, but if they can get you know, we're, we're, we're a win over Illinois, UTSA, or Tulane away from nine and three. Um, and I don't think that that's, yeah. I don't think it's impossible to see a win in one of those games. And I mean, look, I think they have, if you're, if you're looking at it from the old classic, like win, loss, toss up standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, I think that we have like clear loss against Clemson, right? We want to argue that. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, toss ups against Ohio, Illinois, UTSA and Tulane yeah. and the other seven games in the scheduler wins. Yeah. So like, I, I think the floor here is something like seven to eight wins, which is a pretty damn good first year. And the potential for like nine is not crazy, right? You split the tosses. Basically it's not insane to think you go nine wins. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like again, like, like ECU, obviously much different circumstance, but I err on the side of positivity with them. Yeah, and it um, wouldn't even just need to be that FAU is better than expected or that all the transfers hit, right? It could just be that Illinois is not as good as we think it's going to be, or that, which is not, we don't think it's going to be especially good, or that Tulane struggles to replace that production lost on offense, right? Like, it, it could just be that some of these teams aren't as good as they're being projected heading into the season, and that FAU roughly reaches what we think it could be. Um, suddenly, be, suddenly, we could be talking about a 10 and two team in the conference championship game. You know, I mean, they're, they're, the two of those projected four losses are non-conference games. You drop one of those conference games to, to a win, suddenly this is a one-loss team that's presumably in the AAC title in year one under Tom Herman. That's pretty good. That would be that would be a pretty good start for him. And I think also we're going to hear that you are, and we're going to assume, but a fair bit higher than me on, uh, in my opinion, on, on Tulane is. And I think Tulane's a lot more gettable this year and likely to have the bottom fall out than you do. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, we'll, so, I mean, we'll get to that. I, like, yes. if that happens, you know, to me, they're the clear second best team in the league and they have a chance to play for a conference title. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, who are we on to next, Patrick? We get we got to get those boys of Memphis up. Yeah, we got Memphis. Do, do you think you can do? Can you do this whole next section in a Memphis accent? For I me? don't even. I don't even know a Memphis accent. I don't know what that would. <laughs> I don't know what that. Would we should. Like. We should. Uh, if you're if you're not, you don't mind doing a little extra work after this. We should insert some clips of this because there's a compilation on YouTube. Yeah. Of of the Memphis accent, uh, it's mostly from rappers, but essentially like the word music or like anything that has a U in it. It's like music instead of music. It's like you're saying okay. music. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's 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 a kind of like a Kermit the Frog style accent. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I'll um, <laughs> if you want to pause the podcast real quick, I can just send you. A li- we can listen to it real quick if you want. No, um, I'll I'll uh, I'll I'll toss it in later. <laughs> okay. Cool. 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 cool, cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll get to that. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um. So Memphis, it's kind of now or never, I think, for for Ryan Silverfield. We've talked about him before as being a Ryan Day style individual. I stand by that. I think he is. That's um, that's probably too mean to Ryan Day. Yeah. Okay. Ryan Day is a Ryan Silverfield style individual. Um. <laughs> the he. Uh, uh, he's coming off of a uh, pretty disappointing seven and six season. Memphis has not lived up to the expectations that it seemingly has built up after the years of Mike Norvell and Justin Fuente. Um, and he was almost fired this past year. They, they sent out the classic um, standing by your coach who just had a pretty bad season and who a lot of coaches want to fire where you're who a lot of fans want to fire where they come out and they're like, yeah, he's still the coach, but he's got to start winning some games, right? Like we're 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 standing by him as the head coach in 2023, and that's about it. That's about as as much as we could possibly guarantee right now. Um, and so I think they need to be a title contender this year in the AAC, and I, I think the roster could lend itself to that if it can fix a lot of the problems that it has had throughout the Silverfield era, which is primarily that they don't win close games ever. Um, they just if if the game gets close at the end, they they don't win it. They 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 lose. They don't win close games. Um, they return Seth Hennigan at quarterback, who I think you like more than I do. I think he's fine. Uh, they they need him to take a step forward this year, though, because the entire starting receiving core is gone. They they bring back all their backups: Kobe Drake, uh, Joseph Skates, and Rock Taylor, who are all fine. And then can step up. They got a couple transfers in as well. Toski Dove from Missouri is the big name. Yeah. Um, but they're not the step transfer, the transfer stepped up. Yeah, exactly. Um, but they lose Caden Priestcorn from tight end. They have no replacement for him. They barely even have any tight ends on the fucking roster. Um, and they lose all three of their starting receivers from last year, uh, which means that it will need to be a better year for Hennigan. And also, it would be really nice if they can get that run game going again. It has not been what it once was. Um, this group of running backs is really strong. I think Jay Ducker originally at NIU spent last season at Memphis, um, two power backs with Sutton Smith and Brandon Thomas, and then Blake Watson, who was really good at old dominion, um, really good receiving threat out of the backfield. I think the one, two punch with him and Ducker makes a ton of sense. If they can get there, um, it's just going to be the offensive line. It's going to be, can they get this going again, the way that it used to be, which is, uh, it's not a great question for the Silverfield era because he was the fucking offensive line coach. That was why they promoted him. That was why they made him the head coach is to keep that rushing attack going. It's been bad. It's been bad these last couple of years. They've not had that same heat that they used to. And I think that's really going to be the question for this offense because I think the passing attack has to take a step back, just logically speaking. Yeah. Also, I can't believe JoJo Skates is still in college football. Yeah. That, like, 
he has been around for a long, long fucking time. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's fairly astounding. Uh, I did not know he had transferred there. Yeah. Uh, that is definitely a guy I could see having kind of a late career resurgence for at a place like Memphis. I don't know. Like he's a fairly explosive player, but I mean, do you do you trust Memphis offense at all? I guess to do anything with him. Not, I don't know. Like I like something to get a fair bit. I guess, and they have some pieces, but. Just actually, like they, they've, that's been true for every year ever for them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's hard to be without just, yeah. skill talent at Memphis right now, right? Like there's still, there's just, there's so much on the table that it's, it's pretty hard to not have that. They've not done a ton with it, has been the problem for the offense. And I, I don't know that there's right. anything that's going to, I don't know why that would change this year, basically. Um, defensively, there are some guys who I like. I think the outside of this defense is pretty solid. Um, you have ends Jalen, Jalen Allen, Cormonte Hamilton, and William Whitlow, I think are all pretty solid. Allen is a, is an all AAC level guy. Um, all three of their, their contributing tackles from last season are gone though. They're going to be relying on transfers there. Um, at linebacker, Jeff Canton Arku, I think is solid and can step up, but they lose both of their starters, Xavier Cullens and Tyler Murray continuing here with the middle of the defense being decimated by departures. Um, Shout out here to uh, East Tennessee State's Chandler Martin, who's transferring in. Uh, former freshman All-American uh, at uh, at ETSU who had like 120 tackles as a freshman. That's funny. That's a funny thing to do. I like that. Um, then the uh, the secondary, <laughs> sticking with this theme, safety Quindell Johnson is gone, who was kind of the best player on the defense last year. Um as are both of his top two running mates, running mates uh, Josh Hastings and Ladarius Polk. There's not a whole lot at safety. <laughs> it's going to be a lot of transfers. It's going to be a lot of new faces. They brought in Simeon Blair, who was a starter at Arkansas. Really good hitter who cannot do anything else. Absolutely should not be in coverage. Not really. Honestly, I don't think you can call him a safety. They're putting him there because that's where he plays, but he's a linebacker who is just being put in a bad position. Um and then they grabbed uh, Ohio State transfer Jalen Johnson, who I don't think did anything at Ohio State, but he was there. Um, Maurice he Hamp- was there. Yeah, yeah, he was there. Maurice Hampton <laughs> Jr. from LSU. And then another really bad former P5 starter with Tyron Taylor from Colorado. Um, mm. Cornerback, uh, Greg Rubin's back. He's good. He's a good starter. Uh, Davion Ross, who was the better of his two counterparts last season. Um, and then there's a little bit of depth there, but it's just the middle of this defense is rough. It's really rough. And I think that that's going to be the thing that holds them back on this side of the ball. Um, I think you're probably gonna be able to run on Memphis and I fear that they're not going to win that battle against teams that can really run the ball, that they're not going to be able to outrun them. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems entirely correct to me. I don't know. I feel like you have the pulse, this team pretty correct. It's, it's pretty much a Memphis team we've seen year over year, right? It's like, yeah. not, it's not. <laughs> it's kind of just the same formula. Like, like Silfield, like you said, it's one of these guys who just kind of pumps out the same kind of team year over year. I guess the benefit for them, and I'd say if you want to look positively uh, on Memphis this season, is that they do mostly have a very easy schedule and avoid, aside from Tulane, yeah. most of the top teams in the conference, of which there are a few to begin with anyway. Like, they like do. Yeah. It's a pretty weak conference as it is, and you also get to duck UTSA uh, and FAU yeah. And you're in a pretty good spot for the season, right? It's not that and, and you get too late in SMU at home. Yes. Right. So like it's it's a pretty pretty winnable schedule for these guys. Yeah, that's the thing. Their two hardest conference games are at home, Tulane and SMU, and, and the rest of the conference schedule is really not that tough. Um and so they could have sort of an inflated record because it's it's hard to find losses in the league for them. Um they start the season at home 
against Bethune-Cookman. Then they go at Arkansas State, Navy at home. They have a neutral site with Missouri, and then they host Boise State. Weird non-conference schedule. Um, I think this is probably three and two, right? I think they they win the first three games and then lose to Missouri and Boise State. Um, I think I agree with that, but again, like you said, it's it's the whole like picking a G five team over a P five thing. But like Missouri fucking sucks this year. Yeah, Missouri lost every decent player they had. Yeah. Um. Like, which is not much, right? To clarify, like Dominic Lovett was kind of the whole offense and he's gone yeah. to Georgia. I don't really know who you look at for Missouri. And, and Boise State, like, yeah, on paper looks pretty good, but what is it like without their cutter? Like, how is the team actually managed without him? Like, yeah. you could very easily convince me they're 5-0 going to the bye week, and they could also very easily be 2-3. and three. Like, it's a Memphis team, right? Like, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised either way. Maybe we split um, the difference and say 4-1. and one. Just as a, a, a we we, we go. I'm not disagreeing with you by the way. I think I think your your three and two instinct is right. I but but I could talk about yeah. I mean I could talk myself into beating one of these teams. I, I think Boise State and Missouri are both very poorly coached and pretty shitty. Yeah, that's that's fair. I think I think that <laughs> yeah I think that makes sense. I'm gonna say I'll say four and one then because they will will say they get one of those. Tulane at home. I don't think they're gonna win. Uh, nope. which, which would be four and two uh, at UAB at North Texas USF at home at Charlotte is presumably four wins, uh, which would put you at eight and two, eight and two um, SMU at home is I think probably eight and three. And then at temple nine and three um, again, this is kind of what we were talking about. <laughs> you end up with a pretty good record from a team that I don't think is going to be all that good because w- where are the losses here? Maybe at yeah. North Texas. You, you play I maybe guess. like one team in the top 50 of SP plus all season. Yeah. Like North Texas m- maybe can beat them. Temple maybe can beat them if EJ Warner's really going. Um, but I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of tough to talk yourself into, into a whole lot of losses here because there just aren't a whole lot of teams on this schedule, I think capable of beating them. Um, and so I think Silverfield might be saved by the fact that he's just in a dog shit conference now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a huge opportunity. If he doesn't do it here, right? Like you have to think if he doesn't get eight wins out of this, like he should win nine. If he doesn't get eight, they have to can him, dude. Like like yeah. at a certain point, enough is enough. Yeah, yeah, I would. I would think that. so. I mean, if I if I were running the program, you know, yeah, his ass is gone if I'm there. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that uh, I I think flipping the field would have fired Ryan Silverfield long ago at this point, given yeah. given what he has done there. Um. Next up, Navy, a team that did fire its coach. They did fire Ken Niamatololo to hire his defensive coordinator. Um, unclear exactly why they did that, but they, they've they done it. Brian Newberry is the new head coach here. He brought in Grant Chestnut as the offensive coordinator who was at Kennesaw State. Um, the offense, personnel in general here I think is decent. They bring back both of the quarterbacks who played last year, although both of them have been hurt through the spring and did not get reps in this new offense. So we'll see who ends up taking over there. None of the guys at that position are exceptional. I think the best they're going to get there is capable. Um, rushing attack I think is going to be probably decent in general. Anton Hall Jr. is here. He's pretty good as a slot back. Daba Fafana is a pretty good fullback. Um, there's, there's enough here that the offense should be capable. We'll just see what it looks like exactly. Cause they've been talking about moving a little bit away from the true under center triple option. I will believe that when I see it, I think that that is, 
I think that is a long-running uh, thing of an offensive coordinator taking over at one of these schools, saying that he's going to do that, and then realizing what he has on the team, specifically at wide receiver, where they have nothing except for Jaden Umbarger, who's fine. He's a good blocker. Um, I think that, that this could be another one of those, where guy shows up, says he's going to try and change the offense, realizes that the offense does not have the talent to do that, and then they look pretty much the same. Um, I think this is going to be another not all that good Navy offense as, as we have seen, you know, several times now over these last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, we don't need to rehash it cause we've done it already, but like just an inexplicable personnel choice to fire him. I mean, yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything to particularly bright to add on this team because I had just lost all interest in them as a program for all that decision. I think it's just such an unserious choice that you don't see how the program advances from it for for a while to come. I don't know. Yeah. It seems so fucking stupid. What's the point? Yeah, what's the point? What is what is Brian Newberry doing as the head coach that's going to be different than what Ken was doing? I don't know. I don't really know. His defense is fine, right? I think the defense is going to stay pretty good. It's been fun these last couple of years. He has a, an interesting way of doing things, which a lot of these, these DCs at, at academies do. I think there's been a lot of talent in those positions of late, and he fits that billing, but... Um, and the defense, I, I, you know, the personnel, I don't think really matters a whole lot. It's a Navy defense and they don't lose a whole lot of starters. It's going to be basically what it was last year. It's just when the offense is not awesome, when the offense does not have a star quarterback, they're going to be, you know, limited. They're going to be limited in what they can do. And I think that's going to be the case again this year. Um, you look at the schedule, they got a neutral site against Notre Dame to start the season, home against Wagner at Memphis, uh, USF at home. And then North Texas at home is the first five, um, I think they can win probably two of those games, maybe three. They can beat Wagner and South Florida and maybe North Texas, right? Yeah, I mean, that seems fair. They're definitely beating Wagner. North Texas, I think maybe you have a better read on than I do. Yeah. Um, I don't feel great about them. I, I think North Texas is probably going to be favored slightly. Um, North Texas's offense is going to be pretty good. The defense is going to be... Um, among the worst in college football. Uh, I, I'll, I'm going to... Two early bye weeks probably helps. I mean... Yeah. yeah. I'm going to say two and three from that start. I'm going to say they lose to North Texas, which is not great. Um, they go to Charlotte after that, three and three. Air Force at home is three and four. Wait, really, really quick. Sorry yeah. just to cut you off, but yeah. I think we need to ban uh, Army and Navy from playing week zero games if they're going to get three bye weeks in a season. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like given the fact they played like the late game, I think we that should not be allowed. You should not be allowed to have three fucking bye weeks in a year, especially with the style of offense they're gonna play. That that does not seem that does not seem fair. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I think that's I think that that is agreeable. <laughs> um so we're uh what was it? Three and three Yeah, sorry, I freaked it. Three and four, I think. Uh heading into Air Force at home, three and five, or was it three and four coming out of Air Force? Now I'm lost. Now I've uh, three and four going into at Temple. Um, I'm I'm decently high on Temple uh, this year. Honestly, I think Temple wins that game. I'm gonna guess, I'm gonna say three and five. UAB at home, four and five. ECU at home. I don't remember who we gave that to. Um, I think Navy could win that game, and then they close at SMU and and versus Army. I think it's five and seven, five and seven or six and six for Navy really depending on what some of those new first-year coaches in this conference are able to do against this option, seeing it for the first time. Um, I, I think it's somewhere between 5-7 and seven and 6-6. Six and six. I don't know that there's a whole lot else this team is capable of doing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, just a, just a very low ceiling on this team's performance this season. Uh, let's get to North Texas, though, because I'm kind of intrigued by them based on what you've said so far. And I think yeah. they're probably the team you got most in depth on uh, maybe in this entire preview. So I'm going to let you cook here and, and get kind of get into your real house. Yeah, I don't know entirely why I did that. I guess I, I said a, I said a mm. decent amount of background <laughs> for to I, a lot of words to say essentially what I've said on this podcast, I think, before, which is that they fired Seth Luttrell for being average and for losing postseason games and for not doing more with his talent than what he you know could have done and they went out and hired uh seth luttrell essentially they just hired him seven years ago uh you know again he's the guy's the same eric morris is the same age as luttrell was when they hired him and has basically the exact same resume with the same background uh, the difference being that he spent four years at Incarnate Ward, where he went 24 and 18 and won one postseason game in three tries. Um, I don't really know what the difference is here. I don't really understand. I guess you just want a new guy in there. You know, you're just sick of Seth Luttrell. But I don't know exactly what the what the idea is beyond just we don't want really, we don't really want to change all that much about what we do. We just want a different guy doing it, um, which is you know maybe there's something to that. Uh, he's going to look to some transfers in some pretty key positions on this offense. I think the offense is going to be good. Uh, Chandler Rogers is here from ULM at quarterback. He's okay. He's fine. Um, they had Trey Cleveland from Texas Tech and Blair Conright from TCU as well. That should help to make up for the loss of Jair Shorter, the late loss of Jair Shorter. He left, I think, mm-hmm. during spring practice or after spring practice, which is rough. Um, and then they lose both of their standout tight ends, Jake Roberts and Varkees Gums, who were good. Um, but the rest of the offense is largely intact and is solid. This rushing attack was and has been good for several years now and should be good again this year. Um, Oscar Attaway the third is back. Io Adeyi is back. Isaiah Johnson is back. And um Ikaika Ikaika I don't know how to say his name Ragsdale Mm -hmm. um those guys were all good last year when they weren't hurt and they're all back this year they're good that's a good that's a that's a really good four-man group of running backs you're not going to get that many proven guys in a room very often um save for the loss of shorter the receiving group is mostly intact as well Roderick Burns is back good deep threat uh slot man Damon Ward is back he's not really notable but he's a starter he's a capable starter um and then i think the guy who could maybe take over for jair shorter as the really really big play receiver he averaged like 28 yards a catch um is uh jamori macklin who averaged like 23 yards a catch i I think he can he can fill in there um the issue here is going to be the defense the defense loses deshaun gaddy at cornerback to ole miss loses larry nixon to auburn cam robertson to smu um, and then loses a whole bunch of starters just to graduation also. There's really not a whole lot going on for this defense. I think Rod Brown at defensive tackle is pretty solid. Um, Logan Wilson was the best safety on the team last year. He's back. He can't tackle anybody, but he's a really good coverage guy, um, and then that's about it. That's that's about all there is to be excited about on this, on this defense. I think Quinn Whitlock at slot corner is pretty good. Um, but this is going to be a bad group. This is going to be a really bad defense, and it's basically going to be the same question that it always is with North Texas, which is can they score enough to make up for a bad defense? Um, And I think the answer is going to be usually eh, kind of. (laughs) I think it's going to be about 6-6, and which is what they've been doing for a while now, and, you know, a continuation of the the idea that they basically just hired, you know, Latrell again, but seven years younger. Yeah, and I mean, that's, uh, I I guess that's kind of, what this program 
is going to become, right? They're kind of just not really doing anything unique enough to break through. They don't really have any kind of relationship building in the state of Texas. Like there's not anything, they don't have any kind of, you know, UTSA or UTEP style path, like relevancy here yeah. that that is clearly going to work for them. They don't really have any kind of schematic advantage. They're kind of just running like base level. Hey, we're in the state of Texas. We're going to play the kind of systems everyone in the state does and get like leftover talent from the P5 teams. And we'll maybe go 500, make a few bowl games, but not going to do anything special. That's kind of just their whole MO right now. Yeah. That's all they're doing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, <laughs> staying in the state of Texas here with a team that's doing something very different, but also not really having a whole lot of success with it is Rice, which did not fire its coach, kept Mike Bloomgren around for his wonderful five and eight season that they, Wait, <laughs> that are, they loved so Are much. we doing the North Texas schedule? Oh, or? shit. Yeah, I guess we should probably do the North Texas schedule. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> good, good. No, I mean, look, you can keep cooking. I don't <laughs> care. Right? I can hang out. <laughs> I mean... I think it's probably six and six or seven and five. Honestly, I think that it's uh, yeah. Let's run through it. Cal yeah. loss, FIU win. win yeah, probably. They can, yeah, they can beat FIU. Uh, Louisiana Tech win. Yeah. Uh, two and one go to the bye week. They get Abilene Christian. Three and one at Navy. Four and one. Is this maybe maybe here? yeah maybe they win at Navy. That's that's kind of the the toss up game that one and then at Tulsa near the end of the season. Um, man, it's hard to say four and one for these guys. <laughs> It's, yeah. it's really... I mean, they're going to lose. They're going to lose four straight when they go at Tulane, home against Memphis, UTSA, yeah. at SMU. Yeah, that is, a... and then probably lose at Tulsa too, right? Maybe. I, I'm no, gonna, okay, just kidding. I'm going to say that that it's seven and five, and I don't know exactly how they get there. Um, okay. I'll say seven and five. They lose all four of those games in that four game stretch, and then they figure out another loss somewhere else along the road, maybe yeah. California. Well, why do they not have a rivalry game with Rice? Why that should that should be a thing? They need a rivalry game with Rice, right? They don't have a natural rival anymore. Is this that SMU game's not a rivalry? That's that is what they consider a rivalry. That is the game that they have that they that they refer to as a rivalry, and I think honestly the Come game on. that got Latrell fired because he lost. Uh, like the last four or five games to SMU by a combined like 200 points. They just yeah, but they're supposed to, like SMU is actually a good football program. Like yeah. North Texas shouldn't be comparing themselves to that. They should be well, like, they, if you're going to be like, <laughs> there, look, there are two second tier schools in the major cities in Texas and it's, you know, Rice in Houston and it's North Texas and, and Dallas. Like, yeah. let's make it simple. Yeah. Yeah, well, I I don't I, I guess don't dis- I guess Rice is the or yeah I don't North disagree with third you. Third tier school, but I think Dallas I think North Texas disagrees with you. Um, Rice, we can do really quickly. They got crazy ass white boys. This is the crazy ass white boy school here <laughs> at, at Rice. I really don't know that they need a whole lot else. Uh, <laughs> there's not really a whole lot else worth talking about. Uh, it's JT Daniels here at quarterback, and he's joined by the crazy ass white boys out wide, Brad Rosner and um, uh, McCaffrey. Uh, which, which fucking yeah, Luke McCaffrey. Um, that's great. We like that. We like, <laughs> we like to see that. I don't think the offense is going to be especially good. It hasn't been for a while now. And then the defense also collapsed. Um, defense has a decent amount of talent back from a really bad group. Uh, but it's the crazy ass white boys. We, we love it. We love to see it. We love to see Luke McCaffrey and Brad Rosner out there. Like it's 1950 playing wide receiver. That's right. Uh, he has one of the thinnest fucking necks in all of college football. Yeah. If you look this guy up, like it looks like you could snap him like a chicken. Yeah. Um, like like very easily. Um he, he also have you watched his tape much? I don't know why I'm asking this. Have no, you, not have really. you watched any Brad Roster <laughs> tape? No, not he, really. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't have any discernible skill set that makes him good. But I think he was like <laughs> he's like one of the top 20 returning receivers in yardage in college football this year. Yeah. Um, like there were multiple plays where it just like he would like drop the ball, like bounce off a defender and fall back into his hands. And he would still end up with a 35 yard gain. Yeah. Like just 
fucking inexplicable dumb luck. I, this guy is not a good player, but just gets insane yardage. I don't know. I, I don't really understand how this whole thing works. He's the like side duck of, of college football wide receivers. Yeah, I've, um, I've been saying that about him. And I think Mike, Mike Bloomgren also <laughs> said that in a lot of press conferences. He's mm-hmm. like, this guy's like the side duck of <laughs> Reminds me of that Pokemon, Psyduck. Um, that's so true. That's yeah. so true. So Rice's schedule here, they start at Texas. They get Houston at home, Texas Southern at home, and then at USF as the first four games. Um, and he has two losses and two wins. Uh, maybe, honestly, they might lose to South Florida. Uh, that, that might be one win and three losses. I think I, I, I don't think this team's going to be especially good. They get ECU at home, UConn at home, at Tulsa, and Tulane at home is the next four. Pretty easy schedule, honestly. I, I, I think they could beat three of the teams I just listed. Um, I think they probably beat UConn and maybe Tulsa, maybe not. I don't, I don't really know. Um, and then close the season, SMU at home at UTSA at Charlotte, FAU at home. They can beat Charlotte. They're not winning any of those other three games. I think it's three and nine. I think it's a bad year for Rice. And I think Bloomgren is probably on his way out. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I just feel like this is a program that, that has no clear direction. There's no clear thing they're trying to do in that area. Yeah. Um, just around yeah. hanging out. They're just around. Yeah. yeah. Like they're, they're just, yeah. Anyway, they pissed me off. I don't like this team. Let's, you want to do their schedule or do you want to, you want to break them down further? I just did the schedule. I already, I already did it. I ran through. Oh man. <laughs> I didn't even, I, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll cut that out. <laughs> Maybe not. I, uh, rice football immediately. I'm sorry. When I hear just the name rice football, I just kind of put my head down and stop listening. So I do apologize for that. I, I, I guess, uh, I fucking hate this team. I hate this program. They piss me off. They're very annoying. They don't make any sense. Like they're not one of the teams. It's like they're a great academic program. Doesn't use their academics and recruiting at all. Yeah. They don't really have anything they do. It just sucks. It's just no need for them to exist. Just yeah. just stop playing football if you don't care about it. Next up, staying in the state of Texas, we head to SMU. Uh, one of the I'd say one of the few good teams in this conference. One of the few potentially good teams. Uh, so we'll get a, a brief reprieve from all of this dog shit, but. Not that much. Things were not great here at SMU last year. I think this was kind of a disappointing season. We talked about them as being a disappointing season, 7-6. and six. Um, I, I had a feeling when I was writing the preview that this would be the case. I went and checked. They, last year, they lost, the teams they lost to, the six losses, came against teams with a combined record of 56-23. and 23. The seven that they beat were 33-54. and 54. So pretty much just a beat bad teams, lose to good teams season for SMU. I think they had maybe one or two breaks from that but it was it was pretty much just that it was pretty much that they could not beat good teams and they did not lose any games that they shouldn't lose um which is not what you want for SMU because they should be better than that they should be more talented than that they have aspired to be one of the title contending teams in this conference and I think they will continue to consider themselves that especially without Houston and UCF and Cincinnati around um and they just weren't that in Rhett Lashley's first year it was. Uh, it just wasn't great. It just wasn't a great year. I, I really, I, I think SMU's in a weird spot right now. Yeah, I agree, man. It's just like I do still have some faith in Rhett, but I think even some of the, the reason why they're in a bad spot are are almost a little kind of beyond their control, right? Like some of this is just the way the conferences are shifting around them. They've been playing catch up a long while, and it seems like you know just some of the resources available at. At schools that were kind of, you know, in the past, either below them or on par with them, TCU and Houston and yeah. and even Baylor, it just like the continuous upgrade and 
and revenue for those teams, you know, via high-level competition, via bowl games, and, and via, of course, conference affiliation has kind of changed the perception of SMU and um, still can be a very successful program, but, but, you know, losing a Tanner Mordecai is pretty tough and, and it's unclear kind of what Rhett has on tap here, but I still think there's such a talent advantage over a lot of their teams in this league pretty often that, that it's a very winnable situation for them. They can still very easily recover with one good roster. Yeah. It, it's just like, is that coming together for them in the short term is the question. Yeah. And I, I think that this roster is good enough that they can take advantage. They can have a really good year. I'm just curious to see what that looks like long term if Rhett sticks around. Honestly, I, I think that this could be looking at this roster. It kind of looks to me like he wants to get out of here. It looks like he wants to have one really good year and then bounce. Cause there's a lot of one year rentals on this team. Where to? Um, yeah. It's... Yeah. It's a great question. <laughs> it's a great question. Maybe Houston, maybe, maybe he's hoping that Dana gets, gets ousted and he can take over there. I mean, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the plan is here. Um, at quarterback, it's the long-awaited uh, full-time starting uh, job for Preston Stone, who has been here since 2021, former four-star, one of the highest-rated recruits in the modern era for SMU. Um, he played some last year. He, he filled in when Tanner Mordecai was hurt. He also kind of had a battle with him in the middle of the season. They stuck with Mordecai, but not, uh, not thoroughly, I would say. It didn't seem like they were super convinced about Tanner Mordecai. Uh, and now it'll be Preston Stone. Alex Padilla is also here from Iowa, but that seems mm. to be a sort of a backup role, which he's comfortable in. I guess that's, you know, you could do worse for a, for a full-time backup than Alex Padilla. Uh, but it's going to be Stone, and I think that this team is really going to go as far as he can take them. Uh, there's a decent skill core around him. Tyler Levine is back at halfback. Velton Gardner is as well. Kamar Wheaton's here too. He didn't do much last year, but he's still he is still here, former five-star. Um, and then they added a couple more former blue chippers into that room. Jalen Knighton from Miami and LJ Johnson from Texas wow. A&M. That's a lot of talent. That's a lot of talent. That is a lot of team. talent. Those are some names as well, man. Yeah. I mean, you got to think one of them hits, right? That's not a bad bet that I guess one of those guys pans out. It's yeah. You would hope. I crazier mean, things have happened. Yeah, yeah. You, you'd hope. I, I mean, like Knighton. Knighton was honestly, he wasn't that bad at Miami. It wasn't like he never played. Like he was, he was. I loved him as a recruit. Yeah, yeah. He was a decent player. And LJ Johnson was a four-star. Like, Kamar Wheaton was a five-star. There's talent there. It, it's, it's Those are all top 100 guys. Yeah. yeah. All those guys. I think LJ Johnson was top 50, if I recall correctly. Yeah. It's hard for me to see last year's leading rushers, which are Levine and Gardner, doing a whole lot in a room that has those guys, um, which is a strange dynamic. And maybe they just hold on to the job, but they, they do not move the needle for me in the same way that Knighton and Johnson do. I love Knighton. I think Knighton is a really good player waiting to happen. Um, and that Miami just basically didn't do a great job with him. He was a uh, he played for Lashley, which should be the first Miami. time that's ever happened at Miami. By yeah, way. yeah, for sure. Um, and he'll be, I think, a pretty important piece of the passing game too, which has to replace Rasheed Rice, which is sort of the the big loss on this offense. Now, there are guys here. Jordan Curley is back. He was number two last year. Moochie Dixon's back. He was number three. Uh, Jake Bailey returns. He was hurt for most of last season, former Rice standout. He's a good deep threat. I think he'll play. Um, and then, of course, there are more P5 transfers. Uh, Romello Brinson is here from Miami, as is Keyshawn Smith. And Jordan Hudson is here from TCU. Uh, three former top 200 recruits there, three guys who did play with their old scores. They just didn't play as much as they probably will here. You get another sort of look at what I was talking about earlier with Lashley here. It really feels like they're trying to go all in on this season and and being, you know, as talented as they can possibly be with guys who may not stick around for all that long. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, 
I guess like this is kind of the program that can do it. I know I don't really endorse that sort of thing, mm-hmm. nor do you. Like I just think it's a sustainable program building method. But like You're being in... the richest G five team, yeah. Like it is, I guess there is, and they are the richest G five team left, right? I'd say there's no one else above them. Like I don't think Boise State has more money. I don't think UTSA UTSA teams, has been you know. spending, but I don't think that they're on that level. Yeah, agreed. So I think it's like pretty clearly them at this point with Houston, UCF, and since he gone. So I mean, just throwing some cash around mm-hmm. if they try to get some one year upgrades is is not a terrible strategy. I don't know if it's a great strategy for the SMU boosters, but the, I, I will say in their defense. Maybe I'm misremembering here, but my my recollection, and feel free to tell me if I'm just wrong here, is that they've been a little more willing to lean into like the we don't care if you leave after three years for a better job as long yeah. as you win while you're here. Yeah. Like since he always gets terrified of that. I think even Houston to some level and, and, and UCF don't like that very much. Mm-hmm. But SMU is kind of in the correct mindset of like, look, fuck it. If you get a 10 win season, Go wherever you want, right? <laughs> we, yeah, we don't care. I, I, I think, like if you can, if you, yeah, if I, you can get us relevant again. Have at it. Yeah, um, that, that has been my impression. Is that if you win at SMU, they're they're gonna understand both as a player or a coach if you jump elsewhere, right? The, the idea yeah. is that they can reload. They have a lot of guys wanting to come back to Dallas from the P five schools, maybe that flamed out or just didn't quite get what they wanted out of that experience. Um, and so, yeah, if anybody's going to do this, it would be them, right? It, it would make sense for it to be them. There is a lot of money around the program. Uh, it just, you wonder, you know, long-term viability. But for this season, this roster, I think, looks pretty good. Uh, defensively, though, <laughs> has been has been an issue, and I think will continue to be an issue. Uh, they had eight games last season where they couldn't hold opponents under 30 points. They They lose a lot of games where they score a lot of points because this defense has just been bad. Um, they do bring back some guys who were pretty good last year. It's going to be a three-three-five defense as it has been. Uh, Nelson Paul is sort of an edge rusher. I like a lot of defensive end. Uh, I also like Jaden Jones, who's a, sort of a strong breakout candidate opposite him. He was a really good player as a freshman last year. Um, Cam Robertson arrives from North Texas. He didn't play a ton, but he's here. Uh, inside of the line... Lots of transfers. Jordan Miller and Elijah Roberts are here from Miami. Corey Robertson is here from Oklahoma. Uh, they need one of those guys to be good. They have one tackle who I like in Elijah Chapman, but there's not a whole lot of depth uh, after that. Uh, linebacker, last year's starters, Jimmy Phillips Jr. and Isaac Slade Matawi are both gone, and there's not a whole lot here to take over for them. Ahmad Walker arrives from Liberty. He was not very good as a starter. Uh, I do like Kobe Wilson, though, Temple transfer. I think Kobe Wilson's pretty good. Safety Nick Roberts is gone. Brian Massey steps in. Wasn't very good last year. Um, <clears throat> I do like the transfer room in the in the secondary. I think you're going to like a lot of these guys, too. They have a lot of transfers in the secondary. Um, at safety, that means Stanford's Jonathan McGill and Liberty's Rocket Rahimi, both good players, former starters, uh, proven guys. At corner, it is Chris Meganson from Liberty, uh, Kale Sanders from Fresno State, West Virginia transfer Charles Wood. Uh, I think all three of those guys are better than what they have at cornerback, and I think all three of them will be sort of your top three. Uh, Brandon Crosley being the incumbent at slot corner, I think that he will start alongside whatever else happens in this secondary. Defense is still not going to be the strength of the team, and I think will be the thing that holds it back, but shouldn't be as disastrously bad as it has been in theory. I think there's there's more talent here than there has been, and they should be able to take a step forward. But kind of like what we were saying with Memphis, talent has never really been the issue uh, for for you know 
SMU's defense. It's it's not been that they don't have the guys. It's just that playing opposite that offense seems to be pretty difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just not. It's a lot of these programs the same problem. You can look at you know Lincoln Riley's various teams. It's just not emphasized at all, right? And it's like it's you're seeing even with like you know Ryan Day's Ohio State, right? Like it's it's becoming more and more difficult to kind of just be like the we're going to score 50 points team and and you know have a defense that's willing to do that and like guys that are willing to say well great like i'll just hang around while we're in like you know (laughs) like 52 48 shootouts every week and hope that i get drafted despite that despite getting roasted on film every week with all these possessions like it's hard to not have that balance and you know it's a really paired smu as well but um yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard to get a good defensive tackle to commit to playing 90 snaps a game, right? Like it's sure that's, <laughs> that's hard to do. It's not fun to do. It's not fun to play on one of these defenses because you're on the field so fucking much and the games last so long and your snaps are usually not going to be good, right? It's going to be it's going to you're, you're betting on you being the the, you know, your class, your defense being the thing that breaks the mold and a lot of talented players, there's not really a reason to do that. Just go somewhere else. Just go to a better school with a better defense yeah yeah i mean it, it makes sense right especially in this state a lot of it's not like you're short on options in this region um even a place like tulsa you know it's a lesser program has, has had a great defensive reputation in comparison and shows an ability to develop and and, and of course that coaching staff has changed out but yeah but just as a score reputation um but yeah no I, i'm kind of curious to see what they do this season they, they do have as they tend to a pretty difficult schedule here, mm. uh, including I would, games. I'm going to say I'm going to disagree with that. They have a pretty difficult well, let, non-conference let me push schedule. Back. It's a front-loaded <laughs> schedule. It's a front-loaded yeah. schedule. Playing at Oklahoma and at TCU in the first four weeks of the season yeah. is not awesome. No, I think those are going to be the two games that they lose, honestly. They, they start the season with Louisiana Tech at home. Then they go at Oklahoma, Prairie View at home, and then at TCU. Um, I think you're two and two coming out of that stretch. I would guess they lose to both of the Big Twelve teams. The TCU is vulnerable. I think I, I don't I don't love this TCU roster. We'll see about that. Um, and then that's it. That's the end of the season pretty much because it's Charlotte at home at ECU at Temple, Tulsa at home at Rice, North Texas at home at Memphis, Navy at home. At Memphis is the only other game on this schedule that SP Plus has them as anything less than a ten point favorite in. I, I Let's mean, go. It's it's pretty much a it's a three game season and I think they probably lose two of those games. But even if you do that, you could be un you could be undefeated in the AAC. This is a ridiculously easy conference schedule. Damn, but then where the fuck is wrecking a job at? That's what, I mean, is he just gonna take the Missouri job after he like <laughs> gets fired and also get fired four years later? Maybe like Maybe uh, maybe Gundy goes postal. It's time to take over at Oklahoma State. <laughs> he goes Bob Huggins um yeah i mean man i I don't really know what the plan is but i i do think that they're probably going to be 10 and 2 because it's hard to see them losing any of those conference games it's really just going to be that memphis game and i don't trust them in close games so i i think this is maybe, probably maybe they just get the call up to the pac-12 or big 12 or something and he's happy be, to stay yeah maybe I, I i really don't know what job would open that would make sense for him i guess we're so far in advance that a whole lot of jobs could open and he has experience in florida so it's not impossible to see him like you know, he takes over midseason for, for Mario, who has been executed <laughs> in Miami. Military Tribunal has executed Mario, and Red is, is back in charge there. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I think it's probably going to be a pretty good year for them. I don't know how much I actually like this team, but that schedule, it's hard to, <clears throat> it's hard to argue against. Uh, next up here, 
a team who uh, I don't think is going to have quite as easy a, a go of it here. South Florida, first year under Alex Galesh, another school that has just hired the exact same guy that they just fired. He's this is the this is the same guy you just hired him again. Um, this is Jeff Scott. You've just found a different version quick, of it. Quick interruption here. Yeah. Have we done any kind of Alex Galesh, David Koresh jokes in the pod before? No, but this is a good it's a it's a good chance for you to do one if you want to if you want to fire one off. Uh, let me. Let, yeah, uh, you just keep working. I'll, I'll get. I'll cut. I'll wrap up before we get to the <laughs> So uh, he he inherits a, a experienced quarterback in Gary Bohannon, uh, and that's it. That's pretty much all they have on this entire roster, really. Uh, Brian Batty's gone hmm. to He's, Auburn. Um, Gary Bohannon came here from Waco, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, so there's a couple couple connections there. We can <laughs> pretty interesting. <laughs> there we go. There, there you have it. There um, you go. Um, so they... this, uh, this is, by the way, this is going to be sponsorship from the ATF. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, so Gary Bannon is back. They, lo- <laughs> they lose Brian Batty, who I know you like a lot, to, uh, to Auburn at halfback. They're replacing him with um, a guy who I do honestly like in uh, Dominic Gonella uh, from North Dakota State. He was pretty solid there. I, it's a little bit scary to add a running back from a team like that because you don't know how good they actually are, but he looks pretty solid. Uh, and then they grabbed Naquan Wright from Florida as well. Uh, out wide, their best two receivers from last year are now at Colorado, um, and they only have slot man Sean Atkins back to sort of <laughs> replace that. Uh, they did grab some transfers, Jaden Alexis, who played his last season at Texas, I want to say, uh, Michael Brown Stevens from Minnesota, Seth Jones from Baylor, uh, Naeem Simmons from Wagner. They also add two tight ends, uh, Tegan Martin and Weston Wolf, who are uh, fine, I guess, from Liberty in Maryland. Um, but there's still, there's not a ton of proven talent here. And I think the issue is going to be that the defense allowed 41 points per game last year. And they're the way that they're going to fix that is that they hired Todd Orlando. Uh, this is a bad team. I, I don't know that I need to talk a whole lot more about them. This is a bad football team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're cheeks. I mean, that's just, it's, it's that simple. This, these guys suck. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't like them. Yeah. I'm not impressed by them. I, I think it's, they're, they're absolutely cooked. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think Alex Golesh is, um, just going to be the next guy who gets sacrificed after two or three years. And then they hire another guy who yeah. does basically the same thing. Cause this program has no direction or idea of what it wants to be. Um, I think they are finally building a football stadium. So that's, that's good, I guess. Good for them. Um, I, I think that some coach will eventually benefit from that. Like, several 10 years down the road though i don't think that this one is going to be long for this world i don't see any yeah. reason to be optimistic about them right now i think alex Kalesh is trapped inside a burning building with the agents closing on him and, and under yeah. heavy fire right now and yeah um just i mean surrounded by women and children without without care for his you know yeah well-being yeah um, yeah. you get the idea. Yeah. Uh, all right. So gonna... <laughs> two and 10. Yep. <laughs> so they're going to start the season at Western Kentucky. I think that's a loss. Cause that's just a better version of what they're doing. Uh, Florida A&M Much at better. home. You can win that. Hey, you can beat Florida A&M at home. That's not impossible. I don't know that they will, but they could, um, Alabama at home. Probably not. Probably hmm. not going to get that one <laughs> at home. Yeah. For Alabama at home. Uh, I believe that was a two and one. It was a two and one or a three and one or something like that, but they get Alabama at home. Um, there's another one coming up that's like that for Temple, with it, which is going to host Miami. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> but uh, after Alabama, they host Rice. Then it's at Navy, at UAB, Florida Atlantic at home, at UConn, at Memphis, Temple at home, at UTSA, and Charlotte at home. I think it's four and eight, um, four and eight or three and nine. Honestly, as as I look at this team, the less optimistic I am about them. I think they can beat Charlotte. They could probably beat 
Temple, UConn, and then they have three winnable games with Rice, Navy, UAB, and obviously Florida A&M, but like, they're not going to win all those games. They're not going to win all those games. They're probably not going to win most of those games. I think it's somewhere between two and 10 and four and eight. Yeah. Uh, that sounds about right to me. I mean, again, I, I see maybe outside of Florida A&M, I think I'd maybe favor them and one of these games against Charlotte. I, I like, yeah. I, I don't know, maybe yeah. a third one, like you said, but I, I'd go two and 10 here. Yeah. Yep. Next up, Temple. This is a team that I think I'm higher on than most people, and I feel a little weird about that because they were three and nine last year. Big Everett year. Withers guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big Everett Withers guy. Um, they were three and nine last year, which is not really a ton to build on. But um, I kind of like the roster. I kind of like the guys that they have here. EJ Warner. I don't know if you've watched him at all. Kurt Warner's son, who was freshman quarterback for them last year. He was pretty good, honestly. His his completion percentage was not great, but he had more touchdowns than he had interceptions. And he threw for more than 3,000 yards. Um, that's fine. That's totally fine. For a freshman quarterback at a G5 school that was 3-9, and nine, that you could do a lot worse. Um, and so he's back, and several of his school guys around him are back. Um, now, granted, not all of them are good. Darvin Hubbard was not especially good last year, but he is back. Uh, he was, you know a former four-star running back. I guess you could be excited about that. Uh, Edward Sadie as well as back at running back. Neither one of them was very good. I don't know that it was entirely their fault. Um, but they lose Jose Barbon and uh, who's the other guy they lose? Adonica Sanders from the wide receiver room. Mm. Ahmad Anderson Jr. is back. I think he could be fine. I like Zay Baines a lot, who's pretty good as a younger guy for them. They have some skill at tight end. I think the offense takes a step forward. They had Dante Wright at wide receiver as well, former Colorado State number one guy. I think he's going to be the number one guy here. Uh, we've talked before about Dwan Mathis, who's a wide receiver for them now. He's six foot six. He is six foot six. You can't lie about that. He is. He's six foot six. I don't know that he can play wide receiver. I, I can't believe he's still but, playing, dude. That's insane. But he's here. Like, he's trying it. He's giving it a go, and we got to respect that. <laughs> so some of these names. I mean, not not just him, but also I think you mentioned Darvin Hubbard in there I did. too. Yep. Like, how are these guys still around the sport? What is going on here? I don't what know. What is happening? I don't know. It's uh, it's all going to go to uh, to Danny Langsdorf to try and order them into some sort of <laughs> competent offense. Um, it's going to depend on EJ on EJ Warner basically. If he's if he takes a step forward, this offense will take a step forward. If he doesn't, it's going to be a, a pretty long year. I don't think the offensive line's especially good. But last year was a youth movement, and usually youth movements mean improvement the next season. I think that that could be the case for this offense. Um, defense is going to look pretty similar. The question here is Everett Withers, who you alluded to earlier, now the defensive coordinator. Um, he was supposed to join the staff at FAU. I think Temple probably should wish that that would have happened. I don't know that you want Everett Withers to be coordinating your defense traditionally, uh, but he's here. Stan Drayton has, has brought him in. He's the defensive coordinator, and I fear that that's going to be the worst thing about this defense because there's a pretty good amount of, of talent returning. Darian Varner's gone at, at, at the edge rusher, but he wasn't that much better than Leighton Jordan, who is back. Uh, they added Davion Hood as well at defensive end. Uh, Tra Thomas, I think is really good. Very excited to see more of him. He was really good through three or four games and he got hurt and season ended. Um, linebackers are fine. I think Draquavian Mahone is kind of the, the best of the bunch or, or tackles rather, uh, Mahone. Um, linebackers are, uh, totally fine. I, I, if, if, if memory serves, Jordan Rigby is back. Uh, let's see who else. Jacob Hollins is back. Backup capable backup. Daiwan Black is here. Uh, I like this. I like this this back seven. Honestly, I think they, this defense is pretty good 
in general, it's just going to be, like I said, Everett Withers. I don't think I trust Everett Withers, but I do like the personnel on this defense. I do like Temple to kind of overachieve relative to expectations. The expectations are just, you know, pretty low. I think they could win four or five games instead of three. And that's, 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 uh, that's the nicest thing I could say about Temple right now. Yeah. I, I, I still am just kind of like, I like Stan Drayton as a guy, but still just, I didn't see nothing yet to make me think he has what it takes to win here. Yeah. Um, but, but, and nor does like the staff or roster down people that way. I know you were kind of higher in this roster than I am, but I guess yeah. we'll see this year, right? We're going to find out. Yeah. Um, they, they do have a schedule that, you know, I mean, it's almost hard to evaluate a team like Temple schedule where it's not like you're looking for a lot of big it, it kind of like, you're not looking for a lot of like necessarily easy wins in the schedule, but rather more of like, no, sorry. Let me, let me reframe that. Mm-hmm. You don't really care how many given losses are on the schedule. Like if you have a UTSA and a Miami and, and like, you know, four power five teams in your schedule or whatever, you don't really give a fuck because you don't expect to beat those teams anyway at the top of the league and like at, at that level. Yeah. You're more looking for how many teams like in the bottom 20 or 30 of SP plus you have to rack up easy wins. Yeah. Right. And like that's kind of the competition you're looking to count. Yeah. And there are a couple. This conference will provide when you need that. Um, they start the season with Akron at home, who I think is firmly in that bottom group. Um, and then it's at Rutgers, who of P5 teams is pretty low. Uh, Norfolk State at home, and then, as I mentioned a second ago, Miami at home. Miami, Florida, not Miami of Ohio. Uh, I think they can beat Akron and Norfolk State. I don't imagine they're going to beat Rutgers in Miami. It would be cool if they beat Rutgers. I'd like that, but I don't think they're going to. Um, at Tulsa is sort of a toss-up. We're going to get to Tulsa. I'm, <laughs> I'm not I'm not especially high on Tulsa. Uh, UTSA at home is a loss. I think at North Texas is probably a loss. SMU is a loss. Navy at home is interesting. We're going we're gonna to see about that one. Uh, at USF and at UAB, same story, and then Memphis at home. Um, I have Temple in my preview as 5-7. and seven. I'm going to say they get to 5-7. and seven. I'm not going to say how they do it. I don't know exactly how they do it. I'm going to say they get to 5-7, and seven, and uh, I don't think anybody's going to argue with me on that. I don't think anybody's got stronger Temple takes than I do. Yeah, you, you, I'm willing to just kind of back off here and let you cook yeah. because I, I certainly <laughs> don't have the uh... – you're, yep, do your thing. Yeah, you're, you're gonna. You're, <laughs> All right, Tulane. <laughs> yeah, you're you're building it up for the sake of this Tulane preview. Um, Tulane is is mostly intact from last season. Last season, of course, mm. being the the you know breakthrough where they win the Cotton Bowl, where they win the AAC, where everything kind of goes right. Um, they bring back, of course, um, Michael Pratt at quarterback, who is the leader of the offense. He wasn't last year, but he's he's here now, and he's going to have to do it now. Um, They bring back Jaquan Jackson at slot receiver. I think he's pretty good. They bring back Lawrence Keyes, who was a a productive reserve at wide receiver. They add a couple of transfers with uh, Yolkeith Brown from Texas A&M and Louisiana contributor Dante Fleming. Um, It's going to come down to replacing Ty J. Spears, though. Uh, All of this on the offense, we're, we're, you know, moving deck chairs. <laughs> I think it's going to be Ty J Spears. Can you fill in for that, that production lost at, at halfback because he was so much of this offense. Um, there are guys here who I like. There are guys who are, who I think can take on some of the work at halfback. Iverson Celestine is back. J.D. Clayton Johnson is back. Shedro uh, Lewis a lot arrives from Liberty. He's good. He's a good player. I think he could be a really good fit for that style of running back that they have to you know replace. But none of them are going to be Spears, and I think that the offense has to then take a step back because they won't have Tajay Spears, uh, which we've talked about before. It's just 
he raises the ceiling in a way that no one is going to be able to replicate. And so I think the offense just inherently has to take a step back. They lose a couple of receivers too. Um, the, the offense is going to be, is going to be a little bit worse. I think this year just naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I think that's a fair shake. And, and, and like, it's not like, I know that they, the roster talent returning largely is, is fine, but like losing yeah. a guy like Ty J is not just a, a small thing, right? No. It's not like, it's not like this is a program that has, a lot of other, you know, comparables waiting in the wings for him. Like, this is not, you know, like your mid 2010s Memphis losing Daryl Henderson, right? Yeah. Like there weren't like a lot of other guys lined up to be Daryl Henderson. I guess he was the last one the line. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. There, This is like Ty J Spears is, is like maybe the best individual player Tulane has had. And uh, I don't know, ever. quite a while. Yeah, right. Ever. I, 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 he could, yeah, he could make a serious claim. Ty J Spears is do not grow on trees for Tulane. Um, or really no. for most Ooh. programs, that's a really good running back. And he's, he's just, he's going to be hard to replace. I am. I am pointing out the Wikipedia article we all know and love, which is list of two lane green wave in the NFL draft. Um, <laughs> of course it yeah. appears. Oh, you know who we forgot about? Who's that? Uh, they had, <laughs> did you know they had back to back starting quarterbacks going the first round? No. <laughs> no. Uh, in 2002 and 2004, Patrick Ramsey and JP Lossman went back when they uh, first round picks. They were like, Patrick Ramsey started 01 and 02 at Lasman 0304. Oh uh, for man. both first round. First picks. round? And then first round. Those were also in the JP Lasman draft. Here's a great just guy to name. Yeah. But Welde Moore of the oh, Vikings. Oh yeah. That is a good guy to name. I don't think those were very good Tulane teams either. Right? I don't think they were like I don't recall. I don't think they were like super what the fuck was going on back then? I mean <laughs> pull this up. Tulane. And also a few years later they had Matt Forte come out of there. I guess Okay, Matt Forte is another um, one who was who was he was solid. I'll give them credit for that one. I'm not yeah. gonna give them JP Lossman. <laughs> yeah. The team that started Patrick Ramsey uh did go three and nine. Uh-huh. Just general rule of thumb. If you're if you're a starting quarterback in a G five team, that team goes three and nine, you should not be drafted in the first round. Yeah. Um Yeah. <laughs> 02 team went eight and five. 03 team went five and seven. Again, you cannot take a starting quarterback of a G5 team below 500. Just yeah. do not do it. Yeah. Um, Wouldn't be how I would handle myself personally, but yeah, that no. that's very strange. Yeah. Uh, pretty good though. Other than that, as far as I can tell, they have had uh, no other first round picks since 1961. Okay. Uh, when Tommy Mason went first overall to the Vikings. Mm. So, well, you got to think Tommy Mason is up there on that, up, up on that board then. <laughs> and we both know all about him. Um, defense, yep. defense is now under the control of shield wood, who was most recently in the same position at Troy. He, it seems like he's good. Um, and there are some really good fits for his defense. I think Darius Hodges is going to be an awesome fit for that, that, joker position i think they're calling it the dog position now um it's it's the hybrid edge rusher position i don't think it needs to have a stupid name uh tj jackson was in that role for troy last year he had 15 tackles for loss and eight sacks i think that hodges hodges you could expect something pretty similar out of um devian deal i think as well as a pretty good edge rusher for them and should be solid uh within this within this defense i like patrick jenkins back at tackle um, interested to see Cameron Hamilton, sophomore, who I think is going to be hard to keep off the field. Rest of the defense is in a little bit tougher of a spot. I think the line is going to be the strength. Um, <clears throat> they have uh, Jesus Machado and Corey Platt Jr. back. They were the number two linebacker platoon 
last year. I think they're good. I think, honestly, they might be as good as the starters were a year ago. I think they can step up. Um, and they're going to make things easier on those two because they went and got Tyler Grubbs, who is a classic tackle machine uh, linebacker who was at Louisiana Tech, two-time all-CUSA guy. Um, I don't know that he's actually honestly all that good, but he racks up a lot of tackles. And that's not the worst thing to have on a defense that needs to find two new starting linebackers. You have a guy you know you can trust to get to get in the right place and make plays. Uh, safety room is in pretty similar spot. They have three starters to replace as well as a top reserve. Um, the main guy there is, is Bailey Despain, who has not played a whole lot. He was kind of a reserve for them last year. Um, so they went out and they grabbed a couple of transfers. I think a, a really good group of transfers, honestly, Tahir Anor, who was at Wofford, uh, Louisiana's mm. Cam Pettisclau, Pettisclou, who was awesome for them. Fantastic coverage safety. Um, and then a two-time D2 All-American, Darius Swanson, who's six foot three. We love that. We love that safety room. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a fun way to do it. Um, and then at cornerback, Lance Robinson's back. He was good for them last year, number one corner. I think he can handle that again, uh, as are Jarius Monroe and A.J. Hampton, who's here from Northwestern. Good secondary. I, I think that the secondary, should, uh, if those transfers are good, is going uh, to be fine. We should add some tracking of, of D2 All-Americans to our, like, uh, our just broader take take yeah. repertoire here yeah like got to track what these guys do with the at the uh, power five level or g or even g5 level yeah uh just like it's the fbs what happens uh my instinct is probably pretty well right i think yeah, they probably I think. play very well yeah it's all football it, it it's the competition level changes but if you're good at playing football you're probably going to stay play stay pretty good at playing football right like a like a safety i don't know that it would change all that much from from you know what you're doing there to what you're doing at the G5 level. It's a it's a talent difference, but yeah, I'm I'm interested to see what that group looks like. I think that this is a pretty a pretty good team. It's just going to be you know you lose Spears, uh, and that's going to be tough. The good news is for Tulane, on top of all of that other good news, which is you know a whole bunch of guys are back. Uh, this is an easy ass schedule. This is an extremely easy schedule. I think that they have. Kind of like uh, kind of like SMU and, and Memphis. I think it's going to be pretty hard to fuck this up. They start the year home against South Alabama, uh, and then Ole Miss at home, and then at Southern Miss is the is the first three. So it's a <laughs> not not really leaving the yeah. area a whole lot here. I think that's probably a two and one start, right? They probably lose to Ole mm. Miss. South Alabama's pretty. I mean, that's a that's a that's a tight game. I don't know. That to me, that is a competitive football game between South yeah. Alabama and. Well, and they and lost to Southern Miss last year, and so it's not impossible to imagine that those games would all be close. They have Nichols in here as well at home. Is the first four? I think it's probably three and one to start, but I think it's going to be honestly four or, or three pretty close games, and then Nichols. I don't imagine is going to be a huge, a huge yeah. issue for them. Um, and we that's, can call it three and one, but I'm banking a half loss somewhere else in the schedule. Sure, and that's about it until November. It's uh, UAB at home, <laughs> at Memphis, North Texas at home, at Rice, at ECU, Tulsa at home, at FAU, and then UTSA at home. Um, the Memphis, FAU, and UTSA games, that's the season. That's it right there. Um, I would guess they get two of those. I don't know which two. Uh, I don't think that they're going to get all three of those. I, I think it's probably 10 and two, roughly, for Tulane uh, would, would, be my, would be my guess. Ah, uh, man, I, I see the vision. I tr I think they beat FAU in Memphis. Yeah. I think they lose to Ole Miss. Yeah. And I guess I think they split. I think they lose to UTSA as well. And I guess Alabama's kind of, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, 10 and 2 does sound correct based on what you're saying, but 9 and 3 feels more right to me. Yeah. Just based on the losses and some of the, like, I, I feel like we need to give them the bonus loss in here. Yeah. Uh, I hear what you're saying with 10 and 2, and I think on the schedule, I agree, but 9 and 3. 
feels more spiritually correct based on the losses. Yeah, I think that that's fair. Next up is Tulsa. I don't have a whole lot to say about Tulsa. I like Braylon Braxton, who's here at quarterback. Um, good runner. I don't really know that he's all that good of a quarterback, but he, he took over for Davis Brennan, did pretty well. He's going to be the quarterback here for Kevin Wilson's first season. Um, and he's about it. He's, he's about it for the offense. Uh, Malachi Jones is probably your new top wide receiver. Everybody else is, is, is gone. Really, Keelan Stokes is gone. They lose Daenerys Prince and Steven Anderson, last year's top two rushers. Uh, three of the top four receivers, along with Stokes, are, are gone. Um, uh, there's not a whole lot here. There's not a whole lot here on the offense. Uh, Wilson went and got Braylon Presley from Oklahoma State and apparently is playing him at running back. He's listed as a running back. He was a wide receiver at Oklahoma State, and they need wide receivers, but I guess they're going to put him at running back. Um, uh, I, I guess Braylon Braxton can be pretty good, but uh, I, I, I don't have a ton of optimism about this offense or, frankly, about this program under <laughs> Kevin Wilson. I don't really have any reason to believe that he can recruit anything at all. It doesn't seem like people like him, uh, just generally. Uh, there's no, there's no real juice here. He didn't hire a defensive coordinator until fucking May because his original choice didn't end up actually coming with him. Um, unconscionable. He sucks so bad, dude. I fucking hate his guts. Yeah. I can't stand him. Yeah. The defense loses, I, uh... the defense returns all of its bad players and loses all of its good ones. I don't think I even really need to rattle off the names. They, they're, this team's bad. This is a bad team. I got into a, a fight on the message boards, <laughs> not ours, like our board. Yeah. Uh, this week, as you can imagine, uh, with someone referring to uh, Kevin, or sorry, you know Keenan Bailey, the the promoted Ohio State tight ends coach and yeah. former intern. Yeah. Uh, who says he's gonna be successful because he learned under the best assistant coach in America, mm. which I guess was referring to Kevin Wilson. <laughs> um. <laughs> no, I think they they must be talking about Heartline, right? Yeah. No, I mean it literally was under Keenan. But I, I would hope it was Heartline, but. It does appear, unfortunately, to be referring to Kevin Wilson. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Kevin Wilson was probably working like a hybrid schedule where he was only in the office two days a week, right? Yeah. <laughs> Kevin Wilson's usually <laughs> home. <laughs> he was just like no-showing uh, like like home recruiting visits, like go hang out at a rooster's wings. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Just one of the fucking fattest, stupidest pieces of shit of all time. <laughs> I can't stand him. I hate his guts. Well, um, good news. I think a lot of teams are going to uh, beat his team this year. They start the season home against Arkansas Pine Bluff, and then they go to Washington, host Oklahoma, and then they go to Northern Illinois to round out the non-conference. I think that's a one and three start right there. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I guess they do have to beat Pine Bluff, right? They probably will. Yeah, they could probably um, beat Pine Bluff. I don't think they're going to beat Washington <laughs> or Oklahoma or, or NIU. They could beat NIU, no, I think that, but I don't think they're going to. That point that, that point differential is going to be ridiculous, I guess. And I guess Washington, Oklahoma, that's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, Looking forward to that Washington game. That's going to be fun. It's always good to see one of your enemies get slapped around, and I think Washington will do that <laughs> pretty, yeah. pretty happily. Also, Kalen DeBoer probably getting some – does he like Kevin Wilson? Do we think is he getting a lick back on Kevin Wilson? Is he just happy to beat his ass with pals? Yeah, it might be what might be think? kind of fun. I don't know. Hard to know if they're friends or not. I I look forward to finding out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the schedule continues on here. Temple at home at FAU. Rice at home at SMU. Um, maybe a win in there. Maybe two wins. If you really like them over Temple and Rice, I don't. I think they win one of those games and then they drop the other three, uh, which would be two and six going into Charlotte at home at Tulane, North Texas at home, and then at ECU. 
Um, I listed them in my preview as four and eight. I think that four and eight is probably fair, maybe even a little bit generous. Um, I, I, I think four, it would be hard not to get four with how bad this conference is, but also I don't really think this team deserves four. I don't think they're going to be that good. It's just a matter of somebody has to win those games, right? Like Charlotte's on the schedule yeah. for a lot of teams in this conference. Somebody's got to win those games. Seems like all of them somehow. So not every team gets to play Charlotte. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, four and eight sounds fair. What would you, I would like to see a team do a kind of, remember that year, you know, I guess some years frequently where Wake Forest schedules an AAC, ACC game as a non-conference game uh-huh. for the uh, rivalry. What is that game? Is it North Carolina or Duke? One of the two? Yeah, one of those. Um, who, who, who they play one of the North yeah. Carolina teams as a non-com whenever they don't get to play them in the actual conference schedule. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like to see. I like to see Charlotte just play every AAC team. That'd be nice. That would be cool. Yeah, no non-conference games for them. They just get to go around. And they play all thirteen other other teams. Yeah, and they play thirteen games too. They pick yeah. a bowl game against yeah. one as well. Yeah, like Hawaii. Get there. Yeah, that would be cool. I, I think that we should. Yeah, I think we should install that. Um, Dude, I'm sorry. I just got to the UTSA section of your preview. I know we're not there yet. What is this fucking picture? Who is that? This? That would be that's Jeff Trailer, and I told it to make him look like Paul Wall. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. I said, you I, said I said UTSA head coach Jeff Trailer dressed like Paul Wall. <laughs> Dude, I've been listening to a lot of Paul Wall lately. I don't know what's going on in my life, but I, I've been I, Have you really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a pretty big Paul Wall fan. That's I awesome. I do like some Paul Wall. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I thought Jeff looked really good in this image that the that the AI generated. <laughs> I was pretty happy with that. Um, next up here is UAB, which I didn't write a preview for because uh, I don't like these guys. I don't think that they deserve a preview. I don't think UAB really even deserves to have a football team after what they did this offseason. Um, I can preview them in one sentence. All of the players you remember from those teams that were good at UAB, they're not here anymore. They're gone. That's it. It's This team's got nothing. There's no players on this team. They, they forgot to... They forgot to get any coaches, and they forgot to get any players. This is a fucking high school team. This team is is pathetic. I I really, I really don't need to. I don't <laughs> need to say anything else about it. Trent Dilfer's UAB program is fucking pathetic. There, there's nothing here. No need for it to exist. Yeah. yeah. No need. Yeah. Um. They're gonna start the season at home against North Carolina A and T. They're gonna win that game, and that might be it. Uh. After that, it's at Georgia Southern, Louisiana at home, at Georgia, at Tulane. That's a fun stretch. That's a fun stretch of games for for UAB. I think that's going to be really exciting to see how they uh, how much they manage to lose those four games by. Um, I don't think they're going to win any of them. After that, it's USF at home, and then it's another fun stretch at UTSA, Memphis at home, and FAU at home before closing out the year at Navy, Temple at home, at North Texas. Um, I said two and ten in the preview. I guess they can get a second one somewhere. I don't know that I feel great about them winning any of these games. This team is dog shit. This team is really bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, they absolutely fucking suck. I, I hate everything the way that they do football. I just don't like anything about them. It, yeah. I have nothing but derision and disdain for this, it, this, it, this, it, this kind of university and program. It is really hard to lose as much goodwill in one offseason move as they have this offseason. Well, and I have to say, like, I do feel bad for the fans here because it's not, they, yeah. they like the the people in charge of the of the board of directors essentially got what they wanted, right? Which yeah. is like embarrassed this program to the point that it made a fuck up hire, and then now no one likes it because of that. Yeah, I, like, and they're they're building a new stadium, and this was like a huge deal for them to get into the AAC. This was a, a time of great 
opportunity for UAB to establish itself as one of the, the really power programs of the G5. And what they did was they went out and they hired a high school coach with no real football coaching experience because he was on television. That's it. They hired Trent Dilfer because he was on television because the athletic director here is a fuck off who just wanted to hire one of his friends, right? Like that's, that's it. And it's, it's, we've talked about this before. It's just, it's sad. It's sad and it's, it's frustrating and disappointing because I think that this program could be really good and it has been really good. And I I think that it's, it's a shame that the people now in charge of it obviously don't care about it and obviously don't really even want it to succeed. Um, we can only hope that Trent Dilfer gets fired quickly and that they move on to do something else that, that resembles taking it seriously. Cause they're not right now. I don't think they really even, I don't think they really even care. I think they're out to lunch. Um, and it's a shame cause this was a really good program not that long ago and it should still be one, but it's not going to be because they have, they have, uh, they've stepped in it. They really have uh, the, the, I think the best reflection of this, of this team heading into this season is that you look at all of the way too early, you know, stories, the, the previews and all that stuff that talk about the different G5 teams, which most websites don't put a whole lot of work into, um, and all of them mentioned Jalen Key as a star for the defense, who is now, of course, playing safety at Alabama, right? That's that's right. that's the thing for this team is that they're one guy who everybody knows. He's not even here anymore. He's gone. He went to Alabama. Um, there's nothing left. It, it, it's unbelievable. And also, I don't think he was very good. I'm sorry. I think he's wildly, wildly overrated. <laughs> it's, it is, it's just it's unbelievable how quickly they have lost everything resembling a competent program here. There, There's nothing. There's just nothing going on. It's a, it's a real shame. Um, anything else on UAB here before we close this out with UTSA? No, no. I think as we enter hour four of the podcast, <laughs> I'm ready to get into UTSA. These guys are good. We'll close one out with good. We've, we've talked about them a lot, and I don't know that there's a whole lot more to say about them. Frank Harris is back at quarterback. Zakari Franklin's gone from wide receiver but they still have Josh Cephas and DeCorian Clark. We talked about them last week on the premium show. They are good. I think the receivers will continue to be good. Um, Kavorian Barnes is back at halfback. He had 21 fewer carries than Brendan Brady, who's gone, uh, and 150 more yards. So I, I think they will be fine at running back. I think Kavorian Barnes is ready to uh, to take over there. He'll get a little bit of help as well from the arrival of Vanderbilt transfer Rocco Griffin. Um, that's a good group. I think mm-hmm. that's a good group of running backs, and I think that this offensive line is pretty easily the best in the G5 ranks. Uh, has been for several years now, and pretty much everybody is back who has any experience there. Franklin's departure is really the only one that this offense, I think, has to take seriously. They're going to be totally fine on that side of the ball. Um, Defense hasn't really been the strength for them, and I don't think it's going to be the strength this year. But I do think this group gets better. I think that this is going to be a better defense than the one that they've had recently. Uh, Trey Moore is back at defensive end, 18 tackles for loss last season. He's awesome. Uh, I think he's going to be really good for them. And then this tackle group is really, really good. Tremaine Bell the second is back. Nick Booker Brown is back. Brandon Brown, Christian Clayton, Joe Evans, joined by Brandon Matterson, who was limited to four games last year. This tackle group is fantastic. I think this is the best line in the conference by far. Um, I could say that for both lines. That is, I think the best sign of a good program is that their lines are both fucking awesome and have been for years now. Um, linebacker room, they're going to need to do a little bit more work, but Jamal Ligon is back, joined by senior Avery Morris. Um, they get, uh, <clears throat> at safety, Rashad Wisdom's back after an injury cut short his 2022 season. Uh, and he is joined by plenty of experience back there. Nick Troy Fortune is ready for the uh, the cornerback one spot after Corey Mayfield Jr.'s departure. 
and then they add a pair of pretty productive transfers in Cameron Alexander from Sam Houston State and Cyrus Dumas from New Mexico State. This team's awesome. This is, I think, the best team in the conference. Um, I'd be surprised if they don't win the the league. This this team is really, really, really good. Uh, I think that they can compete with pretty much anybody that they play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like you said. I, I think the only question is what the loss of a player, the quality of Zachary Franklin does to this team. Mm-hmm. And I think just given based on the, on the backups behind them, my answer is probably not a ton, but but it still is losing an NFL quality player from a G5 team, which is always difficult. Yeah. But, but I mean, just the talent around him is tremendous. And I think to Corey and Clark, Dick Clark to transfer a huge step up this year. Yeah. Just the way he's built physically and kind of the development we saw from him last season, pretty substantial. And I think a guy who's in place to kind of step up even further. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, this is a fantastic team. This is a team that can play with anybody in, in college football, frankly. And I don't know. I mean, I, I just had a lot of trust, I think, at this point and uh and Jeff Trailer and yeah. They do have a couple of tricky road games early on, the, early on in the year, which does does make this difficult. But uh, they come out of that okay, and I think this is a team that is heading to you know push for a NY six bowl again. Yeah, this is a tough schedule because I think all of their toughest games are on the road. But I still think that they can they can you know do a lot of damage there. They start the season uh, at Houston, Texas State at home, Army at home, and then at Tennessee is the non conference schedule. That Tennessee trip is tough. I don't imagine that they're going to win that game, but I think they win the other three. I think they can go to Houston and and, and take that one. I feel pretty good about that. Um, any any disagreements there that it's a three and one start with a, a loss, probably a closer than expected loss to Tennessee. Yeah, I, I think generally three and one feels correct. Um, man, like we could both see Tennessee fucking this up though, right? Like, I think Tennessee's probably pretty good this year, but like. Not, I'm not picking that game. I have learned my lesson yeah. from the Houston-Texas game or the Louisiana-Texas game the last few years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> a lot of these games, but I mean, you can see it happening. Yeah, <laughs> it's not I, like we could see. Yeah. We could pretty easily see Joe Milton throwing a couple of picks in this game and, <laughs> and that, you know, kind of getting caught up. But yeah. I, I three and one feels correct to me. Yeah. When the bullets are flying and the stadium's really loud, which quarterback do you trust more, Frank Harris or Joe Milton? What's, what's the, I mean, come on. Come on. If, yeah. you, if you've watched Joe Milton, I think you have the right answer to that question, uh, which a lot of people, I guess, just haven't done. See, they just lo- don't do that. Yes, yeah. they, just, <laughs> just, they just don't do that. No interest in doing that. I don't blame them. Um, next up, after that, at Temple, UAB at home, at FAU, really interesting game there, and then ECU at home. I think they're going to win all four, but I am interested in that FAU game. Uh, and then they close the season at North Texas, Rice at home, USF at home, and at Tulane. That last one is really going to be the season. I think this is an 11 and one year for UTSA. I think they're only going to lose the ones. I, I, I'm, I'm going to predict that they run the table in the AAC and that they are at the end of the year uh, winning their third straight conference championship, even after jumping up to a better conference. That is, um, you really can't say enough about what Jeff Trailer has done here, that that is a realistic, not just prediction, but like expectation. That is what they want to yep. do. That is what they expect to do. It's it's like damn impressive. Not winning double digit the regular season is, is a flat out disappointment for them. Yeah. Right. Like there's no other way to say it. Like if they if they win fewer than ten games this regular season, it's been a bad year. Man. Um think about where this program that, was like four years ago. It's nuts. That's yeah. nuts. UTSA yeah. was nothing. They didn't exist until like 2012. Now they are maybe the best G five program. It's it, it's incredible what he has done there. It really is. Do you think that like whenever they inevitably have to fire Sark at Texas, mm-hmm. will they have the humility to like look at what they've done and go back and hire Jeff Trailer? 
or I, I think now that they're in no the, self-reflection. I think now yeah. that they're in the AAC, maybe they'd be more willing to do that. I don't know that they would ever hire a guy from the from the CUSA, but I think they might be able to justify it now because they did hire Tom Herman from Houston, right? It's not that different to be to be like, okay, let's go get Jeff. Let's go get Jeff and yeah, and but I mean Herman himself. had kind of a national profile that I think Trader doesn't for yeah. better or worse. I don't know if it was just kind of the era of college football they were in, but like no. we're just being Houston instead of UTSA. But yeah, I mean. He is the guy. Yeah. Like he is like, the, the chosen guy. one. <laughs> yes, yes, he's the guy. Yes, this is this is your Mac Brown. You're looking for a Mac Brown. This is it, right? Like he's he is the 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 Texas experienced guy who can handle everything at Texas. Coach, that's that's what he could do. You know, that's that's the idea. Um, I don't know that they would ever be like you said. I don't know that they would swallow their pride enough to do that. But he is just—he's so fucking good at every part of the job. He's such a good football coach. I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm so impressed with everything he has done at, at UTSA. He's good at the recruiting. He's good at the the coach hiring, the development, the in-game coaching, the politicking. You—I—I I really. I don't know that there are all that many coaches in college football who I would take before him right now. I think he's a top 10 or even top five coach in America. He's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, he's great. I, I do think like, this maybe sounds crazy. Feel free to tell me if I'm wrong here, but I, I do wonder if part of it is like the presence of trailer makes firing a coach at one of the other like power five programs around that area. Yeah. Whether, you know, not necessarily these teams. I'm not saying they're all ready to fire anybody yet, but just theoretically, you know, you're an A&M, you're a Houston, you're an Oklahoma, you're an Oklahoma State. Yeah. You're a Texas. Like those teams may feel quicker to pull the trigger knowing if they do so they can get trailer. Yeah. I don't know. Is that because like you're any one of those teams border in the state of Texas and you get him, you know, Arkansas, right? You know, I don't think there are any position to fire Sam Pittman, but like yeah. that overall kind of like any of those programs get this guy and you feel like your floor is so high for the foreseeable future. Like I just don't see him being a failure. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's 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 hard to imagine him just flopping yeah. at one of these schools. And I'll, I'll give him. You know, you got to give him the credit too for having the the confidence in his own program and the the willingness to turn down not as good jobs. Right? Like he turned down Texas Tech. He he turned down TCU. He's turned down these big in-state jobs that would have been jumps up because he thinks that UTSA can keep winning games. He's been proven right. Um, and also he thinks he deserves better and he's right. He does. He shouldn't have yeah, to coach at Texas yeah. tech. He's better than that. He shouldn't have to coach there. If I, right. I although I, credit to them right now, what Joe McGuire is doing is pretty good. I yeah. have to give him some credit right now. Yeah. But um, I, like, I, did you I, see they're about to flip that wide receiver from Texas? Micah Hudson. Have you been I, following this? No, I no, I've not. I'm going to be honest. With I know you've not, not been they're, following they're, that. They're, they're, <laughs> They're about to flip a five-star receiver from Texas. Good for them. Apparently. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but like, that's that's the thing is that he uh, – and you you know I love a G5 coach who's just willing to stick around, right? Like, that's a that's a great – that level of patience and confidence in yourself, I think, plays really well. Um, and it's just good to see those guys stay around. And I don't think he's going to go yeah. anywhere unless he gets one of those, like a Texas or a Texas A&M. I don't think he would jump to – or an Oklahoma. I don't think he would jump to a Houston. At this point, I don't think he would jump. I tend to agree. What's the point? I tend to agree. You know, you could just win the AAC every year. I mean, the cautionary tale, and we'll see how cautionary it is, is Billy Napier, right? Who is like at Florida, still someone seemingly recruiting his ass off. Like their class right now is crazy. But just based on like the roster he had available to him, you know, his own ability to manage it since. And then like some of the the, the scheduling they have, like their schedule in 2024. Like Napier is going to get fired based on that very little of it in his own control. Maybe he could have, he could have coached better last year. Sure. But like, 
I think beyond his own control was the way this Florida program was set up. I don't think he's going to succeed there. That's going to put him back 10 years to try to get his next job if he ever gets one again. Yeah. Like it takes a long time to work back up to those jobs, get your reputation fixed again. And I think Trailer's smart to wait. Yeah. I mean, it, maybe it doesn't take 10 years. Tom Herman's going to get a P5 job here pretty soon, I think. I, I, I don't know that you can. I think, you can, I think you, can, you can get the dream job and have it not work and then land back at the P5 not that long not that long after i don't know maybe i, I mean um I, I don't know if i, I we'll see like like i don't I mean, know it's, it's possible well, it's possible but like th- that that caliber of job of job like that that kind of yeah a florida right a texas like mm-hmm. takes a long time to get there yeah i mean who's the head coach of texas right now uh steve sarkeesian yeah mm. Well, and, and <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I'm, well, fair enough. It's okay. Even what? Six years, seven years to go. Yeah. To after get getting, back. after getting fired uh, by USC for being drunk on the sidelines, it took him six years to become the head coach of Texas. Yeah. Maybe okay. it's not that hard. Maybe it's not okay. that hard. Yeah. Hugh Freeze was hiring prostitutes on a school phone and he's the head coach at Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> It's like four okay, years yeah, ago. You're right. you're, I'm, I'm going to back <laughs> off that take. You're right. You're right. It seems like it's actually super easy to become a Power 5 coach. I think I could do it. I'm ready. I'm, I'm yeah, putting my name. Yeah, I'm throwing my name in there. I could. I think I could become a P5 head coach very easily if I was just enough of a scumbag. Well, anyway. Yeah, we should do that. That's the AAC preview. Ryan, do you have anything else before we get out of here on this, uh, I would say, lengthy uh, edition of Flipping the Field? No. People are going to be happy to have yeah. content. Uh, and, you know... Frankly, I'm happy, Patrick, to share the time with you, my good buddy. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, maybe we'll have to do it without a podcast sometime. Oh, no, you, you've said you're you said you're busy. You got the doctor. No, I yeah. think my schedule's pretty tied up. Yeah, um. <laughs> we only have time for a two and a half hour podcast recording. Yeah. We can't. We'll get you. We'll get you out to the. I mean, I'll say this. I'm just gonna be honest with you. I do love you, buddy, but I, I'm not coming to uh, to the to the broader Mountain West I, region. I will get your ass out to Iowa. I'm gonna get your ass to, <laughs> out to Idaho. I'm I, I don't even know where I live. I don't even know the state. What I are you doing to be in Iowa? Um, uh, I, I mean, I could be in Iowa, and in September, I've not I've not decided if I'm going to Kinnick yet, but I could be. Hard hmm. to say. I gotta get yeah, you to a game going, at Wyoming. You're I, going to learn some lessons. That guy who like. Says the players are all faking their injuries. He's your he's your friend. Yeah, you he's your sensei. Yeah, yeah that, that's my buddy. No, I need to get you to a uh, to a Wyoming game. I need to get you sideline credentials at a Wyoming game. I'll, I'll change your I'll change your entire view on the world with one of those. Um, but until then, it happens. <laughs> we're gonna just have to do. I, it I'm gonna me. use that for aesthetic Instagram content to bag some uh some some Bushwick women and uh-huh. <laughs> po- posting. They're gonna see me posting the miniature yeah. horse at the Wyoming game. <laughs> Yeah, they're gonna see me. I'm gonna I'm gonna get a full cowboy boot set up to go cover the game. Just have the worst feet of all time by the time I get done with that game. Yeah. Uh just absolutely filled top to bottom with turf pellets. Yeah. That'll be fun. Yeah, it would be cool. If, I mean if the turf pellets can get into the cowboy boots, they can get into anything. That's uh They I think they seep through. It's like it's like somehow they turn yeah. everything into like a semi porous membrane where like the turf pellets just get in through the leather somehow. It's, it doesn't make any sense. It's so bad. There's I, I still have some just sort of stuck in my shoes forever. They're just they're just always there and they'll never not be there. As soon as you walk on turf, they're there forever. Um all right, cool. We'll uh we'll catch you guys next week. I don't know what we're doing next week, but it probably won't be two and a half hours worth. Uh, although Yeah, I think it's top defensive position groups. Premium up, yeah. Well, incoming is a is a really solid fifty five minutes. I think that's that's what you guys have to look forward to. So, so we'll see you all then. <laughs>